Hey, this is Pete Dixon, and you're listening to Australian Survivor Archives. going over the complete history of Australian Survivor all the way from Whaler's Way through to the current day. We have such a special episode for you today, Uh, an amazing episode that I have actually really been looking forward to doing because I think when we talk about the very first season of Australian Survivor, the legacy and everything that comes with it, there is one man that owned that season and we have to do some form of tribute episode to him, his legacy, and just what an incredible player he was on the very first season of Australian Survivor. And we have that episode for you today with a very special guest who we are going to be chatting with on ASA today. We will get to him in just a moment. I'm going to start off by, first of all, introducing myself. My name is Ben Mortarworth. Hi, Ben. Hi, listeners. Uh, it's an absolute treat to be here today. Uh, as you know, my name's Matt Dyson. And uh, it, Ben, it is a very special episode. Uh, for the people that have been following this podcast, we know uh, many months ago now, when it came to Tim, Tim Duggan's um interview of course we got the his lovely wife jenny on and it was such a a special tribute episode to him and one that was very well um, received by our listeners so today of course we're up to the point where we would be interviewing rob dixon the winner of season one australian survivor and of course unfortunately we can't uh we can't interview him but uh we have a very special guest. And Ben, look, you've done all the legwork here. I think it would be only fitting, you know, you, you've often said Rob is the greatest Australian survivor of all time. So I think it's only fitting that uh, you introduce our guest today. Well, I stand by that fact because I've, I've had a bit of thought with myself in the last few weeks about this, Matt. You and I have had some conversations recently since All-Stars uh, with with David, the Golden God, winning and the conversation about who is the GOAT of Australian Survivor. I've said I'm conflicted now with David, but I feel like I'm standing by my original thought process and putting Rob in that category. And am I saying that just to suck up to his brother? Absolutely not. I firmly believe that, and we will talk about that in this episode. But it is an honour to be able to welcome to Australian Survivor Archives the brother of Rob Dixon, Mr. Pete Dixon, to chat uh, today and help pay tribute to, I guess, Rob's game of Survivor and just talk about Rob as a person, about just who he was and how he got into this game and learn a little bit more about him by one of his uh, many siblings. He's got a few, I think, we've discovered today. Pete, Pete Dixon, first of all, welcome to Australian Survivor Archives. It's a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, um, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> a little well, nervous. we're here to ease you into that. I think yeah. that uh, it's a celebration. I want to want to yeah. say today for for Rob because it we 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 couldn't do this show. We couldn't pay you know homage to the first season of Australian Survivor without having an episode dedicated to Rob. Because one thing, Pete, 
you and I sort of, uh, I mean, I guess I became aware of you because I think I just stumbled across an Australian Survivor post about Rob and and I realised the name and I was like, oh, Pete Dixon, I wonder if there's a relation and looked up, you've got Dixon Films in your your bio and, you know, put two and two together and, and here it was. And sort of, I sent you a message a while back sort of asking if you'd be willing to do this and here you are today. So it's obviously something, because you do tweet every now and then kind of, you know, yeah. I guess pointing out there that Rob played Survivor and I've seen you sort of comment to a few things about Rob's legacy as well. So you're obviously on my page that Rob's the greatest of all time, right, in Australian Survivor? Very biased. Yeah, I am. Um, but... It, it was interesting if, if, you know, to go back a little bit, I I couldn't watch, I, I mean, might as well get it out, right when Rob passed away in 2009, I couldn't watch Survivor again for for a long time. Any any American, Australian, couldn't watch it, um, which seems a bit odd because, I mean, it was that was seven years after Rob had won, so it wasn't as if um, it was recent. But um, so... But then I've had my own children. I've got three kids. I've got a uh, 15, a 13, and a 10-year-old. And I started to get to the point about five years ago. I'm thinking, why am I, um, why am I, you know, stopping them to? Because uh, I started to, they started to understand what happened a bit more. I started to understand my brother, and I talk about him all the time. So I thought, ah. Oh. And then they wanted to know about Survivor, and so I sort of started to rekindle it a little bit and started watching it again. And Got over my uh, my dread, <laughs> uh, and 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 when I started to do that, I just started to think. And what was annoying me was with the new Australian series, there was no reference made at all to the first season, which um, that's fair enough. It's a different channel and all that, and I understand it, but it's it, it did annoy me because I kept thinking all these all stars and all these sort of shows they're doing. Rob, Rob would have. He would have been front and centre. We know he would have loved to have done that. I mean, even, even though at the time he said he wouldn't do it again, I know for sure he would have. Um, and I just keep thinking, ah. Oh. So then I started to think, well, maybe, you know, I, I, as I've got a little bit freer in talking about Rob because I couldn't for a long while, I, I started thinking, oh, I'm going to, you know, it's not as if I've got millions of followers, but I, I started to tweet <laughs> out my 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 supporter, Rob, and every anniversary I'll, I'll, I'll mention it and um, I, I try to do as much as I can without pissing people off. Um, but, yeah, I, that last series, I, I'm a bit conflicted, I must admit, because up until that last series I was adamant that Rob had them all covered. But, yeah, Dave, Dave was something else. Um, and, you know, you look at it, you look at Dave now, the golden god, <laughs> but you, 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 I, I look at when back when Rob did, and even back when Rob did it, he wasn't that young like David. Do you, do you know what I mean? So Rob in his peak, athletic peak, and and when he was you know at Hawthorne and all that sort of stuff, he would have given David a real run, I think. But athletically and 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 the way everything go with the with age, I'm I'm not sure, but he would have had the mental you know, clout to go with him, I think. Which I think my biggest thing that I've come to this conclusion in the last week, and we, we are going to have an episode at one point where we're going to sort of do old school, high school debate style, like, you know, one side either way, who's, you know, the best. But I think the biggest thing to me that gets Rob over the line, and I'm just going to say this now, 
Rob did it on his first go. Rob did it basically when it was almost completely unknown. I realized there had been two US seasons, but Rob did it in such a way that could win the game today. And like, that's not to take away from David because David's game was amazing. David played in a different era, but I just think Rob doing it on his first go and David doing it on his second go. I think that just to me elevates Rob slightly more, just in my opinion. That's what gave him my firm decision this week that Rob is the GOAT. I love your support of that. Love it. I love it. <laughs> Pete, with, with modern day Survivor, they do backstories now. So when I got to play, they did a backstory on me being a police officer and all that. So viewers now get an understanding of what that person is like on day one of when, you know, the first episode. When Rob was on, there was no such thing as backstories and they didn't even really mention more about him being a former professional footballer. It was more, I think, his the line under there was like film director or filmmaker. Um, so there's not a lot, and I'm not an AFL fan, Pete. I'll admit that now. I'm a, I'm a rugby league guy being a Queenslander. So I'd love yep. to take you all the way back and, and get you to do a bit of a backstory for us and just tell us about Rob. Like what did he do prior to, you know, becoming the ultimate survivor? Yep, absolutely. So um, you're right. They only had AFL footballer or film or video filmmaker or something. They, they rotated it a little underneath it. Um, yeah, so only people who really knew him knew really who he was. Um, but, yeah, going back, I mean, way back, like we're, 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 there were six kids in the family. So Rob was number four in, in, in order. We had my elder sister Sue, then there was Graham, then there was Donald, and then there was Robert, and then there was a five-year break to me, and then my little brother Ricky, another two years. So there's a lot of us, a lot of boys, and um, we grew up in, started life in Heathmont in near Ringwood, and Dad was a bank manager, so um, when we, when, well, I'll talk, I'll talk it as, in, as it's Rob's age, but um talking on his behalf, I guess. But Rob, so in year seven, which is Rob moved, we moved to Gippsland at that point because Dad got a transfer and the whole family. So it was a bit of a change of life. Now, for me, I was too young, so I was in primary school. So I, just, I sort of handled, could handle it a little bit better. But for him, it was a real change of life um, coming from, you know, Ringwood, Heathmont, Melbourne to Morble, Um in Gippsland, and Rob already by that point had um, the looks were there. Do you know what I mean? And he was very athletic, very sporty, just just um, you know loved by everyone. And and that didn't go down well with the locals in Mall. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? This new this new boy new boy on the on the scene and. And I still remember, I mean, my memory, just, just for everyone out there listening, my memory is ordinary at the best of times, but there's certain things that really stick out to me. And my memory of that as a kid was Rob getting beat up, I think, the first or second day at Moore High School. So the reason I'm saying this is there's all these little things that I think add into his competitive spirit and things like that. Um, but Rob, so he got beat up. Really poor, really badly, just by idiots, you know, because they were jealous and all that sort of stuff. This new guy that came along. So, uh, interestingly enough, we, my my parents, um, the best school in the region at that point where we were in Latrobe Valley was St Paul's College in Trelgan. It was a Catholic boys' college, and it was you know the most expensive and the best school, if you like, as opposed to a Mall High, which and all that sort of stuff, Mall Tech and that sort of stuff. So 
they instantly went, we, we're not leaving the boys there, <laughs> you know. So um, Mall High is no longer there, so I think I can say it. But, um, yeah, so so, uh, so they, they got tra- – they transferred to um, St Paul's College. Now, that was pretty Catholic and we weren't Catholic and my mum was a devout uniting church religious lady, which – which Rob um, Rob was also very um, uh, religious in a way. I'll, I'll get to that later. But um, so so, funnily enough, Rob Rob moved over there, non-Catholics, you know, and I followed his steps everywhere all the way along. But five years, and so all of a sudden, Year Ten, Rob's school captain of a, of a non-Catholic, you know, of the school. So that's sort of who he who he was. Um, yeah, he was already showing signs of just going a long way even then. Uh, moved on from that, um, went to Lewards, youngest helicopter pilot. So the National Safety Council, I'm not sure if you're aware of that, John Frederick and the National Safety Council, are you aware of that? No, no. <laughs> It would have been a good backstory, actually, on TV for Rob. Yeah, this sounds like um, I wanted. I want them to do these big epic introductions like they do on Channel well, Ten do, now. Like this do, would have been amazing. I, I do plan to do a doco on him one day, but um, yeah. So, so what happened is the National Safety Council was a ser- search and rescue organisation in the Latrobe Valley that was funded illegally by a guy called John Frederick, who was actually German. But if you ever look up John Frederick National Safety Council, it'll be all there. But anyway, it was a great organisation. My dad was one of the bunnies who lent him millions of dollars from the bank uh, <laughs> that went, went awry. But um, so what happened was Rob, it was, like a, it was almost like a paramilitary outfit, really. Everyone was wearing greens and, and it, was, um, it was full on. Rob was the youngest helicopter pilot in Australia at 17. Wow. So he, 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 went, he left in, in the year 11 and went and straight into that, trained as a pilot and became a helicopter pilot. So he used to fly us around and he was 17. He was doing that before he was driving. <laughs> uh, wow. That's the coolest uh, brother ever, a 17-year-old yeah, brother who can fly helicopters. <laughs> coolest brother, coolest brother ever. He used to go and pick his girlfriend up from her farm and just land on the farm. <laughs> <laughs> What do the parents say to that? Like, what's he going to show up? Uh, Some piranha? No, just a helicopter. Again, he had this magnitude. Like, everyone loved him, you know. He'd get away with everything. (laughs) There's one great story I've got to tell you about his helicopter, which I want to reenact one day. But there was a local (laughs) drive-in in Taralgan, and this is a true story. And he he had this, and they were running Apocalypse Now repeating or something over, <laughs> over a couple of weeks. And he thought it'd be a great idea to come up behind the screen when the helicopter scene. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me you and did it. Actually, and he did it. Oh, oh yeah. wow. So, so people are watching watching, and, and, the, and, the, and the helicopters are coming and all of a sudden he appears with the lights over the top. <laughs> That's Cause, amazing. Of course, the uh, drive-in was actually right next to the Trove Valley Airport, so he could, he could do it. So, um, <laughs> oh, I got thousands of them, thousands of those stories. But so he, wow. so he then, so he was working at the National Safety Council and then playing good footy with Morwell. So um, was zoned to Hawthorne. So that's when they started a calling, and. And, he, and he, there was one point where he was flying where he had, an, he had a, a really close call with power lines with that helicopter. So um, he, he used to admit all the time that he, he got the yips a bit with that 
And so when Hawthorne opportunity came, he, he took a major change in direction. He, he left the National Safety Council, came to Melbourne to see how we'd go with footy. And that's where he, he started playing at Hawthorne. Um, and from there, uh, he always had a love of filmmaking growing up. Stop me if I'm boring, you, you guys. No, this no, is this is anything not. but. I'm I'm loving uh, this. Um, so yeah, I mean, my memories growing up was Rob would always. Um, there were so many of us in the house, but Rob would always had a Super 8, and he'd be always filming, um, and he'd be always splicing it up with a projector in his room, and loved it, loved it, loved the camera, loved filming, loved telling stories. Like he'd throw dummies off cliffs and then act like it was a real person, getting it up and all that sort of stuff. And I've got a lot of that vision somewhere. Um, so he always had that love for it. And then when he went to, he got traded to Brisbane, to the Brisbane Bears from Hawthorne and decided to have a crack at, um, his first real, well, sorry, his first real football video was a behind the scenes trip away (laughs) video of Hawthorne, which is just nudity everywhere. Um, (laughs) and that, that was called good for footy. Uh, I, I fast track a, a few years and a few, do, few of the docos I've made with some of those old Hawthorne boys and they always ask me, you know, did he make any money out of that? Because they're all nude on it and stuff and Dermot <laughs> nude. and um, <laughs> Do we want to see that? I don't know if you want to see Dermot Barrett no, nude, do we? But we, we tried to sell it. <laughs> it was funny because he, he made it for Hawthorne and we, we were both – he roped me in. He made pamphlets back in the day, and it was VHS. This is this is late nine or ninety nine, I think. Um, and we used to do letter drops of V. You know, that's how that's how we're trying to sell it. And I think he sold three, so that wow. was his first. Yeah. Um, and then, so he, yeah, he, and he did this video called Your Move when he was in Queensland. He it, it was a real production, you know. Um, he had got funding from some private investment and had a real crack at it with Trevor Hendy back in the day. And um, that was meant to be a schools program. But, you know, these things, you know, we were the masters of never getting things over. Like we'd get them started and they'd just never really go anywhere. So so what happened then was um, I was in Melbourne and, you know, a few things happened in, in my life where I had the opportunity to, to have a chance to, to work with Rob. So I... I was trying to get him to come back to Melbourne because um, I thought this is our chance to to start a, a little company, a little little video production company. So um, he was with his his then girlfriend Dusty and his soon to be wife. But we they decided okay, and his footy had finished, so he, he came to Melbourne. He realised that this is the place for he, he needed to get it going. And and in the AFL world, he had a a great name and was popular and knew all the right people, like the Demetrios of the world, and played with him. So. So that's when we got investment for our first. And so we started up our little dodgy brothers business um, <laughs> called Hush Productions, <laughs> and uh, so and and we were able to do that because we had investment in a in a uh, film called Passion to Play, which was we in, we did uh, the history kind of of Australian players in AFL. So we we did over 180 interviews, but we were so green, like, oh well, Rob was. Rob was treading water. I was completely drowning. Like so, um, uh, and I was of no help to him whatsoever. I, you, so I sort of hung on his coattails for that whole period, and and was just trying to learn the caper myself. And 
so that's where it sort of started uh, and that came out and we had a big launch and it went really well and then we sort of moved moved through the gears from there. So it's kind of an so untapped that- area, I guess, because I, I realised like around that period you sort of had like those classic Mark videos and you would have, mm-hmm. I think, what the AFL would sell, you could buy a certain game of that, but it, it wasn't like, say, in America where there would always be some fancy documentary about something. There wasn't really a lot of AFL documentaries around that time, was there? No, I mean you had things like bits, bumps, and brawls, and all they would yeah. do is, is is clip out clips. But there was during the nine during the nineties, there was a couple of great docos made. There was one um, on the Bulldogs, uh, Year of the Dog, um, by a real a gun Cordell, who's a great filmmaker in Australia. That was, but that was rare. That was a really good film. Um, and then there was a hundred years of footy made as well, which was an interview based. I own that. Yeah, I, yeah. I had that. I used to watch yeah. that so much as a kid. Yeah, nineteen ninety six. Yeah. I remember it. So we, so there was a couple, but but we we sort of our style of filmmaking, if people are aware, is a little bit different to to that. It's um, so yeah. Once we 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 got into that, we we sort of well, I think anyway, and I mean, we, uh, there's this debate goes on a lot, but I, I still think Rob was a real pioneer of all that here in footy. Um, a lot of the doors that are opened um, from what I reckon we've done over the last 15 years is now, you know, everyone's trying to do what we were doing back then now. Um, you know, and we were, the, we were only really the people only people at that time really doing our feature documentaries on footy. So, um, yeah, you like to look back, but, I mean, has, you know, who cares really now? Well, what do you remember that period then sort of around then, what, drew Rob into applying for Survivor? Was he a fan? Did you watch it together? I mean, kind of what drew him into putting that application in? He loved Survivor. He always loved Survivor. I mean, we would talk. It's funny because we had a um, – and, and part of me feels like I – because any one of my brothers and my sister could do what I'm doing now. So, I, you know, we, we all loved him. And But so there was something – about I guess Rob and I that where else we, we were really close probably the closest out of everyone and 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 then we worked together so there was this and I lived with him uh, you know we're a bit of a troubled sort of youth in 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 a sense so when I set at seventeen he he was sort of became my my pseudo dad really as well as as a big brother and then a best friend so it's uh, it's been a mighty loss um, in that sense but. So things like that, we, we and I, I still miss it to this day. We would watch Survivor even if I wasn't living with him at the time, and we'd be calling during the show, like, and it'd be one word, like "no good, dud," you know, something like that. Or, um, and and then you'd I must get watch Matt season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but I've I've never really I've I've never really. Uh, got over that I have, don't have that anymore. That was, it was just such a, you know, because you, your brothers don't need to say anything else. You know who it is and you just, you know, um, or you just say, yeah, I know what you're going to say and he'd hang up. And, and so it was stuff like that. So, um, but so he, he was always a fan. And, but to, to the extent of how we played, I was always confident he would, he would play a really good social game. Um, I knew he'd play a, a good athletic because he, he was very athletic and, and fit, but uh, but the 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 toughness of his nature and the way that he managed to um, be a bit brutal at times and that 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 surprised me a little. 
I mean, Rob, Rob's, Rob was always, out of our family and friends, Rob, Rob was always the centre of attention. You know what I mean? He was, he was the one to keep everyone together. He was the one, you know, and even since our family, like the glue that, you know, we, we've lost that glue because he, he was he's that sort of character. So I knew that he would he would go pretty well, but and the problem problem back then when he when he applied, he said I'm going to apply for Survivor, and I and I just I said to him, I said straight, oh, geez, you're going to get on that, and and he's I kind of knew that he was guard, and I said, well, there's a few factors that's going to help if he if he he knew how to make a a tape, right? He knew how to make a a pitch, um, and the other thing was. At that point, the AFL footballer thing was, a, I thought, was going to really help. Um, now, my memory here is is poor, but I'm pretty sure this is accurate. He was 17th. Oh, he wow. wasn't in the 16. Wow. That was that is my memory of it. Um, and then someone, he was on an emergency. He was he was next in, and something happened. I think on the week, I'm, I'm not sure whether they put him somewhere for the week from memory. I think they do leading in to get a, and ready to go in and, and then something happened and he slipped into the 16. And that, that, I mean, Channel 9 would have to confirm that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how it happened from memory. And we were working together and, and oh, from my personal perspective, I was petrified because I was left alone with the business for, for, <laughs> for God, however, how long and, and um, so there was a big responsibility on that. But uh, Rob, so yeah, then he then he went went off, and I remember the agreement that that they sent to that he had to sign, and it was like like it was just this ridiculously long thing, a legal document, and um, I think I might have had to witness witness it as he signed it, and. So, so you, knew, you knew he was going, basically. You weren't one of the ones he had to lie to and say, I'm going yeah, somewhere yeah. else. No, he, we, we, we knew we knew he was, well, a couple of us knew where he was going. It was a survivor. Um, I, think there was, uh, I think there was a rule from memory, immediate family or something we were allowed to know, but there was contracts written you couldn't tell anyone else. And um, So, yeah, and to be honest, the rest of us, we we, we – we did pretty well. We had to keep that a secret for the for the whole, you know. And I, and I got mates who were watching Survivor, and you know, we watched, you know, he just couldn't say anything while he was away. But I, but I, um, I was getting married at that point, right? So, so after he came back, again, don't quote me on this. Uh, I sound like Donald Trump. Don't I? Um, I I think it was about a five-month period before it started to really get into the airing and all that sort of stuff. And we were watching because it went for a long period, I think, for, on TV. It was one a week, wasn't it, or something for a while? Yeah, a long while. over yeah. at least 13, 14 weeks, yeah. Yeah. So he just kept getting to the next episode. And it was starting to worry because he was my best man at you know my wedding and stuff. And so we were spending a – I'll get oh, – maybe I should go back a bit. Um, anyway, so so the, just to clarify that we didn't know anything, on, on the honeymoon, I was booked for the honeymoon and he kept saying around the honeymoon was when they were going to have the crown decider. The union, yep. This is about six weeks, eight weeks, yeah. And, and I'm going, oh, 
can you give me anything? Can you oh, can you give me anything? Do you know where, where you? Guess I can't do it. I can't can't can't, can't, can't say. <laughs> give me something. I because I'm, I'm and, he, and, he, and to his credit, he didn't. He, he didn't. I'm, I'm, I'm wow. I, I, you know, I don't know about Dusty, but I, I know me. He didn't tell me, and if he's going to tell him, it'd be me because I was hounding. And he's like, and, he's, and so what? The, the only closest thing I got was when the honeymoon. We were booking the honeymoon. He goes, oh. You might want to come back a little bit earlier, than that. and because and, and he, 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 he knew the date for the crown function, and he goes, "You got to be, you got to be there for that." I go, oh, I, can't, "I couldn't be." I oh, know. I was saying, "I couldn't be stuffed if you're not in chance." Like I'm not. <laughs> it's like so. This was my way of of trying to get it in mail at him. He's going, "Well, I might be." I said, "Well, that, that we, and he never did, but." He was in. It was indication enough that I thought he's definitely top three. So, wow. um, I, I we yeah we changed our plans and and came back mid honeymoon for that night. But um, <laughs> but I mean, when when Did when he, he finish the honeymoon he, afterwards, at least did he give you uh, some money? I can't remember. What he did yeah. So Peter, um, it doesn't. It sounds like that you you never applied to go on the show yourself. Then obviously, if you're um, planning to get married and all that. No, I didn't. No, I didn't apply. No, that was Rob's domain. That one. <laughs> what about his um, audition tape? Because I, I, I've never seen the whole audition tape, but I know from the clips we have seen, there's some of him with it, like looks like with the helicopter there, and then he's got some with with Dusty, his his wife. But did you help with the audition tape at all? Or is that just all Rob? No, that's just all Rob. Back back then, it was just all he 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 did all of the crafting of anything that we did, he did. But that was his personal. Thing. And I mean, I, I still remember it. he lifted his son Gabriel, and I'm the dad. Which is just how, how he was, you know. And, he's, and all, all, all the mannerisms and stuff. I, I saw that not long ago, a, a brief, it was somewhere I saw it. Um, and it just hit me like this, you know, all the mannerisms and stuff that I miss of, of Rob. But I remember when he, just on our work situation, when he, when he, when he got off, uh, the show, and he was in that. I think he was in an Adelaide hotel. Um, about a, a day, or might have been the night, he, he finally got off the show, and he rang Dusty, and then he rang me, and he, and he was, he was highly emotional. He was right on the edge, and that's when he he said he said I just stood in the shower for fifteen minutes, and and dirt was still coming off fifteen minutes later. Um, you know, Matt, you probably similar experience like it. So he was just filthy. He was only up for two days, Pete. He he barely can, even got hey, dirty. Can, no, can I just say? <laughs> I'll just say on that. I could imagine how filthy, dirty, smelly he would have been because he lasted the whole time, thirty nine days. I lasted two days, and I'm telling you, Pete, it wasn't until I got back to the hotel and actually smelt myself. I've never smelt so disgusting in my yeah. life, and that was after two days. I could imagine. After thirty nine days, yeah, I, I was really surprised at his at his mannerisms because obviously I was really excited to talk to him after so long. But he was right on the edge, and I was really worried about him. And you know, he, he lost 13, 14 kilograms. Um, he, he he took his clothes off because he hadn't seen himself for a while, and he took his clothes and looked in the mirror and just burst into tears because he looked. A he had the worst beard in international history, <laughs> um, which you know. <laughs> Which is a funny story behind that because his beard, I, I, and it was great for watching for us family because his elder brother Graham taught him to shave, but taught, 
the, the side of the T-shirt to shave the whole face instead of, you know, just the... <laughs> Yeah. So if you notice Rob's beard, it's almost at his eyes, which yeah, is always yeah. And Rob was always very cleanly shaved for that reason. So it was one of the great sights for us <laughs> to see that beard. Um, yes, but yeah, he really struggled. Came with him, and the first thing he said to me is, uh, "How's how's business going?" And then before I answer, he said, "Well, don't tell me. I can't handle it. It's no good." Um, so yeah, he was. It took it out of him. Took it out of him. One thing you mentioned about you know, going back to mannerisms and all that. Matt mentioned this off air and we, I need to point this out. You sound so much like Rob. It is, it is crazy almost listening to you just kind of thinking that we are talking to him because just it must be the Dixon voice. Is this a thing? Like does all your family kind of have this style of voice? Because it is kind of crazy right now. We used to answer the phone for each other, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, uh, yeah, a couple. Probably we, we are probably the closest in the voice mannerisms. I think um, you know a lot. A lot of it, Rob. Rob's the I'm the white version. You know, the really pale version of that. <laughs> so it's a bit. It's a bit odd to to. Um, but yeah, we. Uh, it's it spooked a lot of people immediately after for a few years with me, my voice. Um, Spooked a lot of people. It was comforting for others, you know. Mum, mum is no no longer no longer with us and had dementia before she died. She she used to say it a lot, and I think uh, I, when I could speak to her on the phone, you know, I could sense she was just listening, to thinking that it was Rob or wishing it was Rob. But yeah, so yeah, very similar voice. Did Rob have any conversations with you before he left about strategy or kind of ideas? Did you maybe? give him advice or anything like that or did you know how he was going to play that's really t- i don't i can't really remember that I, I i i can't remember i don't think he i don't think i i i always just assumed he knew what he was doing and i and i doubt he would listen to any of my advice on survivor back then <laughs> um but yeah no he's a pretty he's a pretty closed book Leading in, I think he was nervous, and I think the other reason for that was I'm, I'm going back to my point. I think he, I didn't think he was certain he was on, um, and I'm definitely, I'm, I'm positive something happened around that. So he might not have been going away or gun ho at that point. It's it's fascinating to hear that. I've never heard that that he was technically an alternate going in before, which is is even more unique because around that time, just before Rob's season, even just before Rob went to film, we had the Australian Outback and it's famously known Tina Wesson, the winner of that season, was also also an alternate before she went on that mm. season. So maybe there's something in that early period of Survivor about the alternate yeah. going on to win. This is a, a ploy and, by casting. <laughs> and I hope I haven't, but, uh, you know... Um, ruin anything for, for well it doesn't matter nine don't have it anymore but I, he may well have been told later on after winning it not to to bring that up you know because it hasn't been widely known but i'm i'm pretty certain that i can tell case. you pete from from discussions with nine trying to get them to comment on their season they basically are kind of like 10 and don't even want to talk about it basically we, okay. we're, we've had to track down everyone ourselves without the help of any tv network so uh they probably don't even remember this season that they did so yeah, i think have- you're pretty safe yeah. pete one thing i really admired about Rob's game. We, we all know that he was a physical threat, obviously a, a former AFL professional athlete. 
But the one thing I really admired was the fact that it didn't matter whether he was teaming up with a 49-year-old in Shona or a 24-year-old in Katie or accompanying an 18-year-old in Jane Dalton. He just seemed to, everyone just seemed to love him. It didn't matter what walk of life they'd come from, what background, male or female. He just seemed, that that's what one of the things that we think makes him one of the all-time great players. Is Was he like that all the time? Like, is that just what Rob was? Everyone just loved him? Yeah, he, he, he was such a warm presence. For, for, for people and, yeah, he, Rob was one of those people that anyone felt comfortable around at all stage. I, I didn't see anyone who, I mean, you know, it's easy to, um, you know, idolise someone and, and your memories fade a little bit. But Rob was definitely one of those guys that everyone gravitated toward. Um, as I said, I knew he'd have no problems with the social game at all because at any age – any person. The other thing that Rob had was just, just an uh, an epic sense of humour. Like it was, it was a great sense of humour, and he could. He tried to make fun out of most things and and most people. I mean, I, I, one of some of those episodes I saw, where he'd roll his eyes or something after the. You know, he'd look at the camera. You know, the camera's on him, and someone walked past, and it's just classic Rob. You know, all that. Um, his mind's ticking over the whole time, um, you know. It's it's that it's that poker face of you know. I'll 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 let them love me, but I know he knows what's going on behind. Which we we notice that so many times in the episodes, and and it's a common thing in modern Survivor where you have people who are playing up to the camera a little bit. They're kind of, they know it's a TV show. I mean, people are very much aware of how reality TV works in two thousand and twenty, but. 2001 when it was filmed it was obviously very fresh but we noticed how ahead of the time Rob was because yeah there was that famous scene when he kind of rolls his eyes there's there's a bit he's sort of giving a confessional and he kind of says well better get back to it and kind of turns his back and shrugs and there was a great one right at the very end of the season when he's pointing at the camera basically crossing off the calendar going hey come here like you know get rid of her get rid of her, and then kind of is like doing a throat cut motion. Then he kind of realises, oh, shit, they might be under the boat, quickly peers underneath and goes, oh, we're safe, and then just walks yeah. off. Like, he, he just seemed to have that playful nature about him, which was just made him so good to watch. Yeah, and you got to remember, I mean, he had a little advantage with the camera crews and stuff because he was well-versed with that, with work and stuff. Like, he, he, I think he even knew some of the guys who were behind the cameras and stuff. Um, so... That wasn't that wasn't a stretch for him, which I think which might have been for others. Or not, but I think once they're in there for a week or two, they almost forget that they're that they're there. But yeah, he. I mean, the other thing he was would have been aware of is when he's playing for the cameras, he's also playing for the you know, you know, the people outside. He's, he's yeah, he, he was a cheeky bastard, Rob, real cheeky. <laughs> Obviously, the the grand prize was half a million dollars, and and I mean anyone that goes on a show, you, you're playing for that. Obviously, you want the money, but a lot of people, you know, want the glory of being the sole survivor too. How how much do you think, like being a competitor that he was, how important do you think actually just having that crown at the end of saying like I'm the best of this season? How important do you think that was to him playing that game? I think it was massively important to him. I mean, the money was life changing for him. And that's obvious, but yeah, he did love the mantle of being the number one survivor. And I mean, the, the things that came with that post 
for Rob was he loved the game so much that um, – and it's a commonplace now where people are in demand and so forth. And But I almost get a sense these days with so much saturation of things that they, they come out and they're flavour of the month for a week and then you're almost forgotten. But back then that was groundbreaking here for us in Australia. A lot of fans, and, and, and obviously Nine didn't get another series, so the fans for a, you know, a few years, Rob was doing things like speaking circuits and um, you know going and having uh, a business might have a survivor day and he'd go and represent, you know what I mean? So he, it was really important to him, and I don't think he realised until a bit after how important it actually was to win. Because it did, it did, it did provide him with a lot of opportunities. Which that, that kind of you mentioned it at the very beginning when we started talking, and this is something that I brought up a couple of weeks ago in in another episode. You mentioned about how with this current All Star season, how you know he had he been with us would have been very outspoken about the fact they haven't included people from his season. I said in an episode, I, I can't imagine if Rob was alive, him being exactly that. Like he, he to me seems like the type of person who would be such an advocate for this season being remembered for the fact that he played a bloody great game on his season and that it should be recognized in some way. I mean, we've learned a lot from the players of this season that they they believe it should have some form of recognition. But if you were to, do a true all-star season of great Australian Survivor players. If Rob Dixon was still with us, he would be number one with a bullet uh, of who you would bring back to play on an all-star season. And I think I think what happened with Rob, he, he had, um, you know, I used, to, I used to always call him the C-grade celebrity. He used to hate that. But <laughs> he, he, he had the, um, you know, he had an audience, Rob. In, in, in Melbourne especially, you know, he was on radio a lot and footy and, and filmmaking and he had a – so he he would have had a powerful voice in this situation. Um, they wouldn't have been able to escape him in in this in these All-Stars because he would have had so much support from powerful people that I can't see how they would have – they would have had to do something. And now, not to say that the other contestants aren't as powerful or but, – but I reckon Rob's voice, especially in Melbourne, was, would have been loud – on this, which, you know, things like he, he would have been able to get articles written about it, pushing it, all that sort of stuff. So I'm sure, you know, he, he said never again, never doing that again. But over the years, watching American stuff, he, he got the fire back again and he, and he healed a bit too. It took him a while to heal from, from that. It took a long while. There was a, a lot of emotional scarring, um, you know, with near the end there um, for him. So, and Rob, Rob, we're an we're an emotional being, the Dixon family, and so Rob, Rob, even though he's probably one of the strongest ones out of us, he to see the emotion and what it took out of him physically as well. It, it, I, I think it took two, three, four years for him to recover from that. It's it's really interesting hearing you say that and sort of mentioning that you know, he had a lot of power and, and probably would have pushed for a little bit more. And I think that's one thing that Matt and I haven't really discussed across his season is that Rob's season hasn't ever really had a voice to, I guess, really talk about it and stand out for it. We're, we've kind of talked to basically everyone we can talk to from this season and they're all very proud that they were part of that experience. They love that experience and mostly everyone would do it again. But everyone's sort of been in the woodwork for a long time. It's sort of they've not really been, 
openly saying I was on Survivor, I did this, I did. it's kind of just, you know, faded into obscurity. I can see Rob, if Rob was still with us to this day, when it came back in 2016 on Channel 10, as I reckon even maybe being from day one. I mean, tell me if I'm wrong here, Pete, but I, I think that this would be something that maybe if Rob was still with us, it, it would not be as forgotten about his season and ignored as much as it is nowadays, basically. it's. It, I mean, it adds to the many levels of, of sadness why Rob isn't with us today, but I think that kind of his season would definitely be talked in a different light had Rob still been with us today. I've no doubt. I've no doubt about that. I, and I And, I mean... Rob's profile when he left for South Africa before the accident, you got to remember, was really lifting um, in, at an incredible rate because he just finished Essence of the Game, another documentary, and there was a few other things that were in the pipeline. So his his notoriety or voice would have been, think about it, by middle of like 2015 would have been such you know such much so much higher. I've no doubt. Oh, and it's sad in a way, and you know, part of it, I, I sometimes feel for the other contestants in that situation because, you know, with Rob winning it and then passing away in two thousand and nine, there's 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 probably an element of um, sadness and um, don't don't want to talk about that season too much because it inevitably inevitably gets to that point. Um, so I understand, I understand that, you know. Um, it's a bit that way too with with like with what happened with Joel afterwards too. It's kind of like there, there was, I guess, within a very short period of time, sort of with Rob's passing and then what happened with Joel a year later. Like it yep. kind of it was just painted with a very negative brush in a short period of time as well. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's sad. But I, I, yeah, like, two thousand and fifteen. What would Rob have been then? Um, he would have been 51, my age now. So, four, he probably would have been still fit enough to have had a job. I think he would have been. Absolutely. Surely. Absolutely. I can't imagine Rob would have let himself go. I, I think uh, Rob would have been ready at the drop of a hat. Come on. He was a, he was a non-drinker and a non-smoker, and um, yeah, he would have kept himself in, in shape. The night at the finale, you're down there. The family's down there. At this stage, you're saying you, you didn't know whether he was going to get enough votes to win against Shona. But obviously, the whole family would have been nervous. So Rob clearly looked nervous as well. You could tell just from watching it on TV that he had a lot riding on this. Like, he, he had put everything into this this game. He, he left nothing out at Whaler's Way. Like, he, he had put 100% of himself into it and wanted to win. He ultimately does. Do you remember that feeling like, the, the next couple of hours after that, obviously, you know, you get to congratulate him and all that. But did it was did it feel like a bit of relief for him that he had won? And and just can you remember a bit of that time? Yeah, it was pure relief for him. Um, my my memory post it uh, and talking to him, you know, the weeks later after it was, he he thought he was either going to win by a landslide, which he did, or that would go completely the other way. He didn't think it would be a close vote, um, you know, 3-3 three, three or whatever. He, he didn't think that way at all. So as it turned out, it was – it was. but when he, he is talking about the – when they're in the rooms and stuff prior and behind the scenes and in the green room and all that sort of stuff in the day and catching up with everyone, and no one was really giving, you know, him anything. So that's, I think, 
the nerves that were there. Um, and for Rob, the stakes of the money, it was it was big for Rob because it wasn't as if our company we were making massive dollars and stuff like that. And he's you know young family, um, so he in 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 you know the way that we think or the way that you know we've been brought up. But Rob Rob's tunnel vision for that would have been it's make or break here. This is going to you know make or break. And so he was really really nervous. And I, and when I look at Shona on stage, she seems a lot more calmer. Than him, if you do remember, like, and I, yeah. um, I, I, and we were sitting in the front row, and it was the most awkward situation for, for us, really, because Dad and Mum weren't together. They, they divorced many years ago, so they were sort of a separate, you know, <laughs> as far away as they could. And um, Dusty was there, nervous, and um, all I remember is just loving the loving the episodes leading in. Absolutely losing it and bawling because I'm an emotional guy anyway. When that moment when um, he won on the on the on the boat, do you remember yep. that? Yeah, um, against Katie and Shona, and yep, walking and the Katie plank challenge. To, Katie had to jump off, and that moment where Katie jumped off. When I was what when my memory of that watching it at the time and and knowing Rob was I that was the moment I knew he'd won. Yeah. In the in in the in a crown, I didn't have any idea leading into that because his emotion just sort of tethered to me that he's got it all figured out. Katie, that's it for him. He knew that that was it, um, and he let it all go. And I mean, I was I was a mess in the in the front seat, but um, that that emotion from Rob, that that oh, it's, I've done it. Even even at that point, um, you know, and which contradicts what I've just said because he must have deep down thought. <sighs> Um, he had the votes, but again, I'm speculating. We think, I mean, in speaking to all the the cast members of the of the season, and you said it before, kind of about how Rob was that type of guy that everybody just loved. I mean, you know, in talking to someone like Sophie, who essentially was almost part of that Katie situation where, you know, Jane goes home and then all of a sudden, crap, Rob's betrayed us. And yet Sophie yeah. can basically just put all that aside. Like, oh, but I love this guy so much. I'm going to vote for him still to win. It's just, and this is again, part of that period of survivor where that was more of a thing. People were, you were betrayed and hurt. You're not really going to vote for someone. You're not just going to go, oh, that's the game. I can get over it. We saw that with what happened with Katie. So clearly, you know, Rob had that impact, but with Katie watching that, I mean, what was your view on Katie? Like, kind of just seeing that. And I don't know if Rob had really told you much about her, but kind of a, the whole Katie breakdown, her abusing Rob as much as she did. We've obviously heard from Katie's perspective. We can't really hear from Rob's perspective now, but your perspective from that situation. Um, I just thought Katie was a warrior, like I, you know, and she she pushed she pushed Rob as far as I could imagine anyone could on on that show. Um, Emotionally, I mean, one thing about Rob was, you know, he, he likes to be liked or he liked to be liked. So so to have have that angst against him, even though you've got to put a face on, he, he wasn't comfortable with that at all. He's not that sort of person. So it's not um, – there's not an evil bone in the body. So he – I, I, all I know about Katie is I just think she was a warrior. I, I thought she was great for the show. She she would have been a really good winner. But that, he 
that that didn't go well after after Survivor. Like I think I think from memory, um, he bumped into her. They didn't live far from each other in Melbourne, and it wasn't it wasn't. He didn't say what, but he said it wasn't it wasn't good. <laughs> well, Katie mentioned to us that they they had got together a, a little bit after and patched things up. She said that he even did end up paying her the five hundred bucks for the nudie run around the shower. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. she she mentioned that they sort of did patch things up at least eventually. Yeah, I think I think the first initial thing was he was going for a run and they must might have ran past each other or something. That wasn't good, but then he did he did, but he did he definitely wanted to patch that up. But I mean, again, a, a lot of the a lot of Rob's um, thoughts on that were you, you can do whatever. It just seems all false because he's the he's he's won. She's never going to get over get over that. So it's almost like you can be as friendly as you like, but deep down you're still going to have that hurt of of what and. Unfortunately, I think Rob, at that point, the, the greatest strength he had was he always thought it was a game. So, and a lot of people go in and when you watch all these series and you say, oh, I played with integrity, but that's wonderful, but you got voted out second day or third day, you know what I mean? Like, So he couldn't understand why there wasn't that element with the rest of them that this is a game that you're supposed to be a little bit sneaky here. You're supposed to be doing this. You're supposed to be, you know, um, you know, to, to a point of fibbing, lying, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's, that's the way you get to the end. It's a game. So when, when, when people strayed away from that <clears throat> and he got hurt by that and, uh, yeah, I, there's always going to be someone, or a couple of players really hurt near the end, aren't there? I mean, how Absolutely. how can it not be? Yep. You mentioned about how he got emotional in in that second last immunity challenge where Katie has to jump off the plank. In the very last immunity challenge, it's him, Joel and Shona. And, of course, uh, Rob wins that last immunity challenge where they've got to guess, you know, 38 minutes. Um, and he chooses Shona, Shona to go with him to the final two, ultimately eliminating Joel. But at that time, the jury are actually there watching. And, and Rob actually has a spe- – he, he breaks down again and gets very emotional and actually looks at the, the jury members that are there and does apologise. Obviously, like what you're saying, he says, you know, he's just playing this game. It's a hard game, you know, and he didn't play it to want to hurt anyone. But, you know, he knows he has some people's feelings have got hurt. But, you know, he's, he's played the game as hard as he could. And I think from hearing you talk about it, like you said, it was a game which he wanted to win. Mm. Yeah, and and I and I think when you look at the ju- the jury in that episode, you can see that they understand he. That's just raw emotion. That's not. There's no game playing there. There's no trying to convince the jury. That that is just Rob, you know. And um, one thing you talk about how um, they you know can hate him one minute and turn around like that was exactly what Rob was like. I mean, I was his brother. I used to hate him <laughs> at, at times, like just wouldn't stand him. Three minutes later, for some reason, I'd go, oh, God. It was just Rob, you know. You'd, you'd get over it pretty quick because he'd either he'd do something, say something, look something, look at your way or, or make a great – to get over it. He, he had a wonderful way of tearing shreds off you and then all of a sudden you go, oh, that's fine. Like, that's the sort of guy he was. Pete, I'm the youngest of uh, three boys. So I have the two older brothers and my middle brother in particular, he, he's – only a couple of years older than me, and he's very competitive, like, ext- and I'm competitive. But 
always being the youngest, obviously I've always, he, you know, he always had that couple of years on me, but he would never let me win. Doesn't matter, growing up, teenagers, whatever, he would never let me win. And he'd always say to me, the day you beat me is the day you deserve it because you know you actually beat me. I could almost <laughs> imagine Rob being the same, saying, well, I'm not going to let you win, but you know, one day you'll earn it. Yeah, we were very competitive. But I, the problem was he was no good in any other sport, so I used to beat him in everything else. But, <laughs> but um, he, I, this is what he was like. So we'd play tennis, for example, and we, you know, and I, you'd be on top of him, but he had a way of just making me, you know, I'd be having fits of laughter at the other side of the net, just the way he's going about it. And and before I know it, he's beaten me. That's the sort of way. That's what he, 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 he was a manipulator in that sense. Um, yeah. So to see him manipulate his way around Survivor was no surprise to any any of us. Which is the, the, such a level of brilliance by Rob. And you mentioned that, you know, he went into that with that mindset that this is the game. And this plays into my part before where I think I've kind of made my firm decision about him being the, the best of all time in Australian Survivor because that thinking is ahead of its time in 2001. There's, there's no denying that. But people talk up about Richard Hatch and that first one, the alliances, all that sort of stuff ahead of its time. This is ahead of its time because 14, 13 people on Rob's season didn't have that mindset, you know, maybe 12, uh, you know, and, and only a very select couple on Rob's season had that mindset of it being a game. One of them was Katie, but then Katie at the end could not distinguish the emotional aspect of that at the end, which was really against her. Rob, I mean, you look at all the little sneaky things he did, particularly right at the end there, being able to get someone like Joel, who is just ready about to be voted out and basically you know half talking him into it was kind of joel did it and then rob sort of you know solidified it about hey if you give up immunity at the end and guarantee shona and i in final two we'll take you to the final three i mean little things like that which people do today and they can't even get it to work properly and rob's doing that back then i mean just all these little things and it just it learning about him learning all these kind of backstories about him it just it just makes this make so much more sense when we're watching this on our screens yeah very, i mean when you think talk about that joel moment just to be able to convince him to do that with straight face i mean um joel's joel seems like the loveliest bloke i met joel after the in the after party and he was everything that you see like the after party was uh something else that was very that was interesting night but um yeah uh, you're right i mean i'm not going to argue with you i'm biased i I still think he played an unbelievable game in that and when when i've looked at it over the last year or so with my kids it it, it stands out even more and the other thing i the other thing i look at that series now and they were in horrendous conditions like day in day out and I, i mean Look at some of the American stuff now. I think it's almost like a holiday resort. The beaches and um, yeah, they and the flies. Like I, I don't think people get an appreciation. Oh, so I guess the contestants would have told you, but he he yeah, his fly issue after he came back was 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 very very high level. <laughs> if there was one fly within you know, the office. <laughs> um, yeah, that, I, I think that's that that go, that's been a bit underestimated. The conditions they had to live in and the dirt, and um, yeah. One thing Rob was famous for was, of course, writing in his journal throughout the show. Uh, is that something he did like prior to going on the show? Was he a journal writer, or is this is he brought this into the game? Uh, I can't remember him. Um, he might he may well have. He was a he was a big note taker. He had. Um, 
any ideas you'd always be writing down on on paper. So I used to carry around a lot of that, but I specifically think he made it. He made a journal daily, but that is somewhere. That journal is somewhere. I'm not sure where. That, what Dusty? Obviously, a lot of the stuff remained with Dusty. Um, Dad, my dad's got a, a few things, and Dad's still kicking. Um, and he showed me something six months ago where he goes, oh, I found this and got all these boxes under his house and mentioned it to you, Ben, before. There's some stuff in storage I'd have to have a look at, but, you know, stuff like the signed buff was in a glass from everyone and, you know, Dad found that and thought it was the greatest thing ever um, and broke the glass and, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Oh, but, yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I've lost my track. I've lost my track of thought. Well, I mean, Matt brought up the journal. That's one of our questions. We we're going to ask if that was still kicking around. But the other one too, like the the journal writing, but the the wood carving. I mean, that was something that clearly he enjoyed out there. And pretty much everyone we have talked to from this season, be it a contestant, a producer, Lincoln, the host, have all said when it comes to keeping something, they've all got their pieces of wood that Rob carved for them. They've all held on to the like after all these years. So was that a skill of Rob? Was he a bit of a wood carver or was that just something he nah, picked up while he was out there? He was so not handy. No. Um, <laughs> I, lab- I labelled him the master carver. Nah. <laughs> uh, I've actually I, I've actually got that still on in my doorway too. It says um, come in, sit down and shut up. That's what he wrote <laughs> on mine. Um Sit down and shut up. Yeah. Uh, no, he had that idea. He, I mean, he was an ideas man, Rob. He had millions of ideas and you know, only, only some ever came to fruition. But he he did he did see all that driftwood and he was thinking he was going to make some great business out of it in the future. He, I mean, he did go back and actually get a heap of heap, a big load of it. He took, I think he took Dusty back for um, a weekend to the place and they, they, they hauled all his stuff back and he, yeah, it didn't go very far. That was another one of those businesses that didn't go very far. There wasn't a big market for driftwood with sit down, <laughs> shut up on it. <laughs> Whaler's Way driftwood sadly never took yeah. off basically after that one. You mentioned before about how sort of when he came back, took a little bit of time for him to sort of get over it. When, when it got close to airing, when kind of there was a bit of promotion around it, you know, he was obviously announced as being on the show. Did he get a little bit excited then? Was there like a bit of an excitement leading up to the, the premiere night of, of watching that very first episode? I think so. Uh, we had um, I spent a, a a bit of time with him. Um, the married, the, I think the the dog got married. He was best man. I think a lot of that kept his mind off. I think it was luck, good timing actually, because the, the the two or three weeks leading in, I remember his best man speech. Everyone knew who he was by that point because it was airing. So um, all the anyway, everyone, anyone there already knew who he was anyway. But um, so. Probably that night I remember because I can't remember much leading into that night, but I remember that day and I remember that night and he was he was nervous. His mind wasn't completely on his job of being best man. I'll give you I'll give you that tip. Um, uh, <laughs> He's so, manipulating everyone still. <laughs> yeah, and I think what happened that night um, from memory because he was exhausted uh, afterwards was not only because he had to be best man, but everyone in the reception, everyone, was it was on to him about Survivor because it was about a week away or a week away to the decision. So, I, I my memory of him was he just wanted to get to the finish line. He had enough of waiting. So um, that was my memory. Well, I remember a lot of the pre 
press as well. And we've still got the article from Luke Dennehy from the Herald Sun that was put in the paper just before it aired. Rob was automatically touted as a favourite. I mean, Luke Dennehy says he's the winner straight, basically straight away. So, like, clearly a lot of people on paper had him as the winner. And, and, again, this part of Survivor, it was easier to then go, oh, this person's winning, but we all didn't really understand the game at that point, thinking, like, yeah. oh, the athlete's going to win no matter what, when clearly it's a little bit more than that. No one picked Richard Hatch to win Borneo. So it was kind of interesting seeing that. Did you think that he could win? Like, I mean, obviously each week, as you said, it was going along. It was kind of getting a little bit different. But did you honestly think that Rob could win? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I, I, my memory is I. When I when I realised he was the top three, um, I, 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 my 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 first thoughts were Shona was his issue. I, I didn't think Joel. I thought you know how you sort of watch a show, and I might be wrong, but I, I thought Joel had that ride through a bit. So I thought, and and if they're going to vote properly, did <laughs> you know the jury? I thought that would that probably dismisses that element. So, yeah, uh, once he got to top three, I can't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure I would have thought he was going to take it out. Do you remember much sort of in that in that middle period, the merge when sort of Craig came in and, you know, was winning those immunities, the last sort of Kadena member standing, and clearly Rob had a bit of a, you know, like, oh, I'm going to get rid of this guy. He's a big threat. Do you remember much around the Craig situation? What yeah, you Craig, Craig? Craig, was, Craig was good. Oh, he was Rob's nemesis. Um Rob had a huge amount of respect for Craig, yeah. and 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 the way he, he wasn't confident in beating him in challenges. He was the young gun, the good-looking young. What did Rob used to call him? The warrior. Oh no, Shona called him the warrior. The young warrior. Rob, yep. Yeah, and Rob used you know, not the warrior. It's uh, the warrior. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> just like it. It does. <laughs> it really does. That's exactly uh, it. Yeah. Uh, He's like, he, he says something like, "The young warrior has charmed the old warrior." Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly yeah what he was like. So, um, and that would have bit it, bit at him. You know what I mean? That sort of Robert. Oh God, you know I'm the warrior here. You know that's sort of <laughs> that's sort of. Well, we showed her later on called everyone a bloody warrior. So like yeah. you know I think she called Joel. Didn't we work that out, Matt? That yeah. she called Joel one by the end of it too. But I mean, and Shona herself. Like I mean, I'm sure you you obviously would have met her at the the after party. I mean, you know, Shona is a fantastic woman. We we know that we've had her on the show. She's a fascinating person. But I mean, I can't I can't imagine meeting her in person isn't an experience in itself. Yeah, well, it was a, that was a crazy night. Um, there was a lot going on. I remember, I remember Rob introduced me to nearly all of them, but um, all you can get is a quick hug and well done and you're great sort of stuff. So I, there wasn't a lot of conversation. It was quite mad, that, that after party. Um, from memory, because Rob doesn't drink either, you've got to remember. So um, I think the more everyone was getting a bit, Rowdy, <laughs> yeah. Rob, Rob just Rob was exhausted and wanted to get out of there. So, um. well, you, you can help us out with something here, Pete. So, w- when the uh, Shona and and Rob both uh, at that reunion party, a uh, reunion show, uh, when Andy McGuire's hosting it, they they sort of give a shout out to everyone of their family members and friends who are there. Now, Rob mentions a person named Gags. Who's Gags? Galia. <laughs> Galia Hardy. Galia and Alan Hardy are, are wonderful friends of ours. Um, sort of, sort of uh, mentors, that sort of thing. Um, and we're really close to Rob. But Gags, Galia, Galia Hardy, yeah. yeah. 
But we love that. We love that sort of name when he drops in. Of course, you were in, we we talked about you a couple of weeks back when we did the reunion, saying like there he is, there's Pete, and that sort of stuff. One thing Rob obviously talked a lot about his his drive to win the money was in order to help uh, Dusty's mother come out from Zimbabwe. That it was going to cost you know even more than the half a million dollars. Did that ever end up happening? Did that money kind of go towards that? Like, did did nah. that all come through? No, nah, it didn't come through. There, there was, and I'm not, I'm not. 100% sure of because um, since everything's happened, we've sort of lost touch a bit with Dusty and all that sort of stuff. But um, the the mother-in-law, the issues to get her over here were astronomical. There was initial – there was – that changed yearly with laws and so forth. And she – there was more than just that amount of money that would get her here. There was other factors of age, whether they would accept someone of that age into the country and, and so forth. So – that went on for years. Um, I've no idea the personal contribution that Rob and Dusty put towards that. Oh, that's not my business. I don't know what happened there. But um, I know that her extended family, uh, I think, are in Perth now. So she might have ended up, I think someone had to be here. Um, but, again, we, we've lost touch over the last few years. So I haven't, I'm not really au fait with that. But, no, the money, all of that, 500 didn't go towards that, no, no. You mentioned about sort of the the things that happened with Rob afterwards in terms of like speaking engagements and kind of, you know, getting a bit of notoriety from Survivor. But did you think him winning Survivor changed him as a person at all? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would probably, I'd say a little bit. I think... um, I don't know. Initially, it definitely did. The first few years, he was a different sort of guy. I think to what I what I from leading in, there was a there was a bit of baggage there. It's it's a, it was a mighty took a big toll on him. So I think that that sort of affected him for a few years. But he, he definitely got his mojo back. You know, um, mid two thousands, um, leading and changed him. Um, Probably more in a way that um, I don't think he would have ever really thought about before. But I think he, I think he sort of was more aware of his behaviour and what that might do to other people. Do you know what I mean? So I think that was one thing that um, you know, because Rob was cheeky and 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 would throw things out and you know, it was always uh, with a smile and that sort of stuff. And I, I think that that attitude might have changed a little bit following that. But I mean, again, in saying that, I mean the guy's getting older; he's maturing as well. So. Um, yeah, not too much. I, well, we were we were together, you know, all day at work and all that sort of stuff. And um, I, I, I don't, I, no, I, I, he wasn't a great fan of um, overly the publicity and that sort of stuff. Rob, I mean, he'd do what he needed to do, and he, he, he got, did a bit of radio and stuff. So, if anything, it would have probably been that, you know, sitting in front of a camera on the Today Show is probably not his favourite thing to do. Did. When you watch Survivor afterwards, did he become the even more armchair expert? Going, oh no, that's bullshit. That didn't happen that way. That didn't. Did it kind of piss you oh. off? Brother? Shut up, Rob. Let me watch the show. Yeah, I just refused to talk to him because he just he was the king, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Pete, did you did you guys continue on hush productions afterwards? 
Hush Productions. Yes, we did. So we we did hush we did hush productions. Then we made we talked about before. Um, it's had a few different names. Hush Productions. You made the Crawford video, which we one of us talked about before. Um, and then I actually moved overseas with my wife, who we we went to Ireland for a year. She's a doctor, so we did a, she did a rotation, and then we we sort of had a little hiatus. In between, um, we, we worked on the Hall of Fame, the AFL Hall of Fame, um, and did a lot of work, had a lot of people working for us. And sort of, we sort of grew, grew a bit bigger than just myself and Rob, which was really what we were. Um, and that went, the Hall of Fame went broke. Uh, so a lot of creditors, you know, we lost a, 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 some money and so we had to let go of the people, which was really sad. So we, at that point, with everything that had gone on, it was a really hectic five or six years with Survivor and work. So we we decided to let's just take a break from each other as well. So I went overseas. Rob Rob started Rob Dixon Productions. I um, wasn't doing much in 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 that way. And then when I came back, he was just at the tail end of essence of the game, finishing it off. Um, he says I helped him finish it off and put it, but I, I don't think I can't remember. I really did. It was he pretty much had it done, and so he was in this dodgy little dodgy building in Hawthorne <laughs> um, upstairs, and so I I was I was went back in there with him, and I was in another office, and we had similar work but different clients and stuff. So we were sort of getting back together again, and then we decided we we're going to move into. I still remember it vividly. Glenfree Road, Hawthorne, which was the Hawthorne footy ground. It's around was close to where we were. And we at one point they they weren't there anymore at the club, obviously, and they were leasing out the old rooms, the old administration building part of it in underneath. So Jeff Kennett's big boardroom and all that sort of stuff. And um, and Rob's contacts, he he, we, we went and had a look at it and thought, oh, okay, when you get back from South Africa, we're going to move into there. And Rob, Rob had the perfect, he had the big boardroom and oh, it was ridiculous. But he kind of wanted to be back in the in that Hawthorne spot again. And we were going to do that, yeah. Um, and we would have probably got, well, I'll look back now and would have got, who knows, but we would have probably got back together and done some, some more films, yeah. Did your passion for filmmaking come from Rob? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I I didn't know that um, when you're in the shadow of uh, of your, you know, someone like Rob all, all your life. I I was just there to to support him in that endeavour up until that point. So then one day he said to me, we were doing some some stuff, and obviously I'm picking it up and. Um, it's more the crafting of it, which I never had. I just thought so. If I if I crafted something early doors, I would always have Rob over, over overseeing it or approving it or telling me it's shit or whatever. So I guess he and one day I remember him saying to me, "Oh, I can now just I can now just leave stuff with with you. I can now just leave stuff with you." And I and that was a real breakthrough for me. Like he he you go here, you can do that segment. So that was for me like, oh, maybe I'm actually pretty good at it. Um, so that was when I sort of started to think, oh, okay. And so, but even up until Rob left, 
I would be doing my own projects for my own clients, but I still didn't think I was anywhere near Rob's level. Um, I still don't. So, so that was that was where I fell into. I, I not fell into it because we both we were both part, 50 percent partners. But I, I think what happened was. I never assumed I'd be doing what I'm doing today. Back then, I, I, I thought I'd be, you know, simply line producing or assisting with the admin and all that sort of stuff. But um, it all switched. Yeah. So when um, he when he when he died, yeah, I, oh yeah, I didn't know what what I was going to do with myself then. Well, I mean, you mentioned before with some of the ones that he was producing, sort of post-survivor and before the accident. I mean, the Shane Crawford one, of course, I, I mentioned to you off air that I remember when that came out, it was it was hyped up and it was all hyped around like film by Rob Dixon. And and I remember, I, I hate Hawthorne, Pete. I absolutely hate Hawthorne to death, but I love Shane Crawford. And what also drew me to more watching that was the fact that I knew this was by the guy who won Survivor. So I'm like, cool, I'm going to watch this. Loved it. Absolutely loved that film. And Essence of the Game is a fantastic film as well. And even the the grand final documentaries that were sort of being produced there for a while, they sort of, it was kind of what, like it was a 71, 81, 91, 2001, sort of that were 10-year blocks, and they sort of got a lot of publicity as well. So, I mean, any, Matt, I know you're not an AFL fan, but like if, I mean, I can recommend anything, that the Essence of the Game really is a fantastic uh, documentary to kind of, particularly for someone who's not an AFL fan, I think it would definitely suit you very well. So, I mean, the products were there, the proof was in the pudding. These films were fantastic. And, I mean, that's obviously led into kind of a lot of what you've done too, as you were saying, because Matt was talking to you off air about some of the cricket ones you've been doing and everything along those lines. So you kind of, uh, you know, definitely gotten that passion, Pete. I mean, these are great films that you guys have put out over the years. Yeah, thanks. It was, it was um, so so after that, the oh, oh, it was 09, the AFL sort of approached me and said, you know, would, would you like to – and the AFL, I can't speak – speak highly enough for the AFL. I mean, we, we had some really close friendships in there and um, they they looked after everything with, for Rob and the funeral and everything. They just they just they just took control of everything and we, we as a family we were forever indebted to all that. And and you know and and, and Gillen who funnily enough Gillen who's now head and and Hamish the brothers they, they used to they worked with us years earlier and stuff and various things. So they sort of sort of approached me and and I was in a horrible state as you can imagine for a long while and I had to dig myself out of, out of it really so around the 2011 period um, you know I still to this day wonder whether it was out of pity or I'm not sure um, or they legitimately wanted to my, my work but they sort of uh said look we would like you to do that season launch film which was what rob used to do prior and funnily enough before he left he said to me um you're you're doing you're doing the season launch film this year because I, I i can't do one, any more of them right and i'm like oh okay and and i, and I was all happy to do that because i knew that he would be overseeing it anyway so that's fine so they they then asked me in 2009 to do that film and I was, oh, I mean, I wasn't in a great state, so I, I couldn't even go to the ground that day. But we, 
But Gags, as you mentioned before, Galia, she um, was a production manager and she she took control of everything for me and got all the filming. And then I, I had the summer on my own putting that all together. And um, when I finished it, and it was almost like my tribute to Rob, really. That's all I was really doing it for. But it went so well that that's what sort of kicked it off individually for me, I guess, and probably gave me the confidence to push on. And then they, as you mentioned, those grand final documentaries, I started doing all them. So I, I, I sort of then fell into that for footy really full on for about five or six years, really. And and because they take a long time, the docos are like, you know, eight, nine, ten months each. So, but I did it and I just did it as locking myself away to forget everything that happened. So that was my way of dealing with it, which was not a great way of dealing with it in hindsight. Um, so my intensity to, to keep his legacy going with all that was over the top and didn't allow me to really heal. So I've been dealing with that over the last few years to try to um, – I'm, I'm – I'm dealing with it, but I'm also more aware of what I was doing through that period now because it's it's a blur to me now. But so I was throwing all my creative energy into producing these films, thinking that I was somehow keeping Rob alive through the whole thing, which, um, yeah, and people tell me that's why where some of your best work comes from with all that sort of intensity and passion, but I'd like to think you could do it a little bit easier than that. Than that. So, um, but, yeah, that's so... Uh, the AFL for a start, giving me that chance, then supporting and then um, allowing me to continue. Um, and then it got to a point where I started to think, well, I think I've done that. I think I, I, I can't do any more of that. Um, it was dragging me down a little emotionally too, just being in that same environment with the films and because it kept dragging me back to Rob. And um, so that's when, thankfully, the cricket opportunity came up with Cricket Australia and I and I were in you know got a con- couple of contracts to do those so that that was that's why we talked about it before this Matt that forged in fire especially for me I know we're getting on to me we should be on Rob but um that that to me is almost my even though the all footy ones are great and people love them for me that was a personal breakout that one because that was that was a hundred percent me whereas with the footy the style and the way of filmmaking, you can see Rob in it, if you know what I mean. But the cricket, yeah, that was um, that was me. And uh, so, yeah, so I sort of I, I sort of took a real step back from the AFL. I'm still close with a lot of them, and you know, but I feel I'm feeling for them at the moment because they got no. There's a lot of people out of work, so. Those two cricket documentaries, uh, Forged in Fire and Two Nations, One Obsession, they're, they're an absolute credit to you. Like, I'm, I'm a big cricket tragic. And uh, it was actually funny, the Two Nations, One Obsession, it wasn't until the credits came up at the start. I watched it a fair while ago now. And I saw your name come up. And I, I, had, I was like, oh, my God. I didn't even realise that, that you were the one that had put all that together. But um, I, I suggest all our listeners, anyone that loves cricket, or even if you don't, if you just love sport in general, absolute credit to you. And I know that, uh, you know, I'm sure Rob would be looking down thinking that, uh, you know, knowing that you did an absolute great job on those, um, you know, those documentaries, they were, they're an absolute credit to you. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, he would he would love the fact that I did a cricket one. And that was my passion and it wasn't his. Um, so that made it all more emotional for me. I mean, they had a big launch of it in, in Brisbane and, you know, I, it's all a blur, but 
Yeah. I, I sometimes look at it and think, geez, that's almost the project of my life, that one for me. But, um, yeah, so so that's where it all, all, all bore from. I mean, the, 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 in what we do, your self-doubt is like is, is crushing <laughs> in, in filmmaking and, and, and Rob had it as well. Like we, you get it's so insular and you get to the point where you hand your baby over and does anyone like it and, you know, as much as he, he, he would probably argue, we're sensitive souls sort of thing. So that's why that's why that's that's another thing about Rob is the, the sensitivity he has for people and the care he has for people. That's what that's why it took him so long. It was such a toll on, on him, that survivor win. Um, yeah. So it's a it's a, yes, your self doubt and coming forward and then coming out of that and thinking, can I do this on my own? That was what I battled with for a long time. Now, Pete, I don't want to gel too much on any of the negatives or anything along those lines in this interview. This is about a celebration of Rob. You know, we're here to sort of commemorate him, talk about his time as Survivor. But I do just want to quickly bring this up because I remember vividly hearing about his death. I I, I remember it. It was, it was tragic. I, I just could not believe it when I heard that it happened. Where were you when you heard? Like, were you still in Ireland? Were you in Australia? I mean, sort of where were you when you heard about it? I was in his house. In Melbourne, so um, if I get emotional here. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, so it was Easter, and at that point, we we were in Point Lonsdale, me and my little family, um, and we had a house down there. As, as in, so we were. Anyway, he gave me the keys and he said, like I said, oh, we need to be in Melbourne for the weekend. He goes, I just stay at my, I'm, we're not here, stay at my place. So we were settled in there with our two little girls at the time and, um, yeah, I get a call. Ness, my wife, went out for a run, I think, or a ride, I still remember it, and I was in the kitchen, and at Rob's kitchen. So I'm sitting, can you imagine him sitting in Robville? Um and you know his his family's his stuff's everywhere and uh yeah and dad called and just said uh dad as blunt as and said rob's dead that's basically just what he said so i was i was you know like what what, what are you talking about and then yeah and that was that was that was the start of it um so yeah we were in his house it's not something that you ever get over i mean anyone who's ever had a loved one die i mean my I, my mother died i remember that phone call it's 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 etched in your memory forever you you will never forget that moment and no matter how long it goes by you, you never sort of you know you will always remember them no matter what and just through that though given that there was such an outpouring of grief among so many people around australia for as well i can't imagine that makes it any easier because you've got not only are you trying to grieve you know, you're not only trying to grieve your brother, but your 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 nephews, the tragedy. You've got so many people around the country who are who are trying to show their grief, but you know, I guess they're trying to talk to you about things and all that sort of stuff too. So I can't imagine that made it any easier having such national attention on, on this situation. No, it did it did get bigger then. I mean, I look back at it, I didn't think that at the time, because I was more just not coping. But um I mean, my phone, I still remember that 
after Dad called, I, I, I think it might have only been minutes. My phone was pinging with people. I'm thinking, how, how did all these people know? Um, and, you know, again, the AFL immediately um, jumped in and, and we, we, we had to get to South Africa. Well, the first thing, I mean, my biggest thing was I wanted to bring, bring them home. So um, I... I was. I just said, I've, I've got to go to South Africa, and so initially it was it was me going, and then um, through the support of, of AFL and so forth, we managed to get Dad to come and my older brother, one of my Donnie Donald. So we 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 were pretty much on a plane, I think that that night or early that morning. Um, so it was moved fairly quickly, and then we had to get over there and deal with all that. And of course, Dusty was still so had survived. So yeah, it was she was in the out. accident. She she was in the yeah. accident as well. Was she? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't really talk about I, I, what I what I don't do just for Dusty's is I don't want to talk about Dusty and the children because it's you know that I, I I never do. I mean, I, I'll keep I'll talk about Rob, but it's just so it's still such a tragic situation for everyone and do, do, do you mind still, if I yeah I was just gonna say Pete do you mind if I ask what was he there on was it for business was it uh, no no it, it, it was a, it was a it was a holiday with the family but he was also going to do some work for the AFL whilst he was there because there was an under 18 I think it was touring group that were over in South Africa at the time and he was going to go and do some some filming of that and so yeah, he had a bit of work to do in between just a, a holiday, just in between a break. Well, I want to move on from this. Obviously, I, said I didn't want to talk too much about this side of things. We mentioned at the very beginning of the episode, though, the Pete, that, and that's kind of, I think, how you and I got connected, um, is that you do share a lot of, of Rob's legacy, particularly when it comes to Survivor. There was a fantastic photo you shared in the last six or so months, and I asked your permission if I could share it on our social media, and it was a picture of your children watching Rob on Survivor. I mean, how is it to be able to show their, oh. you know, their uncle playing this game and go, "Hey, kids, this is how you should be playing Survivor." Look how great Uncle Rob was. Yeah, it, they their love of Survivor is is huge, and it's through him, it's through Uncle Rob. Like they they just could not stop watching and and seen every episode, and I mean, and it's it, it keeps them. It, it's great for me. It makes me much thinking about because it, it feels like that they have an uncle, like they've got other uncles and all that sort of stuff, and that's fine. But you, you, you can, it's 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 wonderful and extremely sad because I see them, I see them in their eyes what they think they could have here. Um, makes me teary now, but yeah, that. They they love Uncle Robin. I mean Luke, especially Luke, the young one. The girls are getting a bit older, but he. I mean, if there's a if there's a real life superhero in his brain, it's his Uncle Rob. You know, because it's mythical. He's mythical to him. Abby still vaguely remembers him a little bit. She was young enough to remember, but um, Luke's. You know, anything that I do bad, he'll just say, "Oh, gee, Uncle Rob would have done that better." Than that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, 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 I get that a lot. Um, but to have, I mean, I just think it's such a blessing to have that vision of Rob because it's a, you see the man inside and out through Survivor. So to show them 
what he's like from go to eye and they see all his mannerisms, they see his humour, they see him um, emotional. It's such a great thing to have and so I'm forever in debt to that um, because a lot of the – and I will try to – I am going to do a film on Rob one day and when, I, when I'm emotionally okay to do it, I'm still not. But if, if – when you think about all the footage and stuff and I, I, and I have thought about it over the years, Rob was always behind the lens. He wasn't in front of the camera. So there's not a lot of, of just Rob um, on camera. Um, so Survivor, for, for me, is just gold. And you mentioned it the, in the interview as well, and Matt and I have talked a lot about this season. Watching Rob's season now, it holds up so much better than I think people realise. And there was always such a negative stain on the season that this was terrible, it didn't turn out how it should have Channel 10 came in, did their version. People just swept Channel 9's version under the rug, the Channel 7 celebrity version. They didn't happen. They were never happened. But I think, and I'm not sure if you find this too when you're watching it with your kids, that it, it actually holds up surprisingly well. And when you're actually paying attention and obviously whenever you watch a Survivor season and you know the outcome, it's a different viewing experience to when you're watching it the first time wondering who's going to win. But and Matt and I have found this in, in analysing it and pretending to be experts, I guess, over the last few weeks, but and watching Rob and just watching him and just understanding this man is playing this game when this show is so young and so fresh. This would be like watching Rob if he was playing AFL in the third season of the history of the game. Like it's it was like a duck to water and that just holds up so well 18 years after that. And, again, adds to my viewpoint that Rob Dixon is the greatest Australian Survivor player that has ever played the game. I think if I if I had the chance, what I would do with Survivor that series is I would not change a thing about the edits and everything, but I would change the music. Oh, yeah. The, the music is horrendous. And Rob always said that. That was his one regret about Survivor is it didn't have the American soundtrack for their version because I, I think that's what dates it. When, when you look at it, and, and my kids actually brought it up early doors in the first few episodes, is it absolutely holds up. I think the challenges and everything and everything and, and, and the, um, the, you know, the conversations, the way they captured it, I mean, it's, it's, it's dated because it's obviously back then, but the music, I think at times, is horrendous and that does not well, help. I think- we we had Jack Roman on the guy who did the the music and I think like I remember watching it for the first time and like at, at the time you're like holy crap what the hell is this this isn't Survivor and that's where a lot of people I think just watched it the first time thought fuck this this is shit and they've never rewatched it again. I must say and- sorry, I don't want to say it's horrendous. What he's try what they try to do is just replicate the American sound. Well, yeah, and I think well, I've I've gone over in the years of hating it to I actually really do like it now but it is I think what I think like if you were to re-edit it with the US music it would be completely different and I've talked a lot about throughout this series if you were to get all the raw footage from that season and re-edit it in a modern style it would be absolutely groundbreakingly fantastic and Matt and I can sit here and think it is fantastic I personally and again maybe I'm just being biased because I've been hosting this show now for a while 
I would honestly say to me, it is my favorite season of Australian Survivor, even against the Channel 10 seasons. I'm the only person on the planet who would probably have that viewpoint. <laughs> but I think that if you were to be able to modernize it and yeah. edit it in that Channel 10 format and show it to newer fans and say, hey, this is season eight of Australian Survivor, but surprise them with a modern view of season one whale as well. They would love it. Yeah, I think so. I agree. I totally agree with you. Totally agree. And I think that's another reason why this season can sort of be swept aside because it did have the different theme music. And although like Ben and I have come to really love the theme music of that first season, because it is different, obviously that it's easier for people to say, oh, well, that doesn't count different. But I know what you mean, especially the music throughout the episodes. And I've been critical of it as well. It's not, it's not as dynamic and some of the music they have used throughout the actual episodes doesn't hold up well. And I was critical of that as well. The actual theme music itself, I actually don't mind now. Yeah. I, I, I watching it again, I, you sort of get used to it. And I, you don't mind. It's not as I still vividly, when I first saw the first, I still remember back in the day when it aired, I nearly, I nearly turned the TV off at, in yeah. the bus as the bus is rolling in. Cause I'm, and, cause I was, I was hoping for that epic, Survivor music. Um, yeah, and everyone was thinking like that. That was the yeah, biggest I was one of those. critical yeah. point. As, as soon as you heard that first tune hit, you're like, hang on a second. What's this? this is just some dodgy Aussie version that they've done on a, a much cheaper budget. And then that first episode when everything went wrong with that challenge and, and people are like, oh, this isn't the real deal, you know, and people are yeah. putting their hand up to be voted out and all this. People are like it. But for the people who actually stuck with it, the loyal fans – and got to those last few episodes, that's where the payoff was. When you're seeing Rob, like, you know, working out, okay, Sophie, she's going on day 37, gone. You know, Katie, day 35, gone. You know, and you see Rob and Shona actually playing the game. Like, that's where the payoff was. And and I think think it's um, just in production sense that they – they got better. Everyone got better as they went on. Yes. Like it, it's, it, it started to peak near the end, absolutely. And credit to them. I mean, they were doing something that hadn't been done. So um, Rob hated – I mean, you know, to the day, Rob hated that music, hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think because he, he just wanted to see himself with that glorious American soundtrack. <sighs> yeah, 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 that's, that's <laughs> um, But you – you're right too. Like they, there was never. This was the first ever Australian Survivor. You know, there wasn't. There, there'd been a couple of the US ones. Yes, they'd been fantastic. But those first two American seasons were. This was like the number one reality TV show. Was so new at that stage. Like Survivor was the like show in the world. No, Survivor was point. the first reality show, and it was like the number one show. Like that season two of Australia, they had like some crazy amount of applications. That's how popular it was. America's it was. number one show at that point. Yeah. The, the season two, it was a Super Bowl lead-out program. It was yeah. the number one show in the world in 2001. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you get to, you know, 2002, they start airing this 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 Channel 9 version, the first, and different music, people voting themselves out. You know, challenges not working and people are like, oh, this, this is a setup, you know? Um, yeah. But, yeah, I strongly believe the people, the fans that stuck with it, that's where the payoff was, was that ending. Yeah. Agree. Did you ever watch the celebrity version on Channel 7 with Rob a few years after? Do you remember that at all? No. Rob, that. Rob might have been thinking he should have been invited back for the celebrity version. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Rob would have enjoyed the Channel 10 version? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, again, they've 
you know, they've got their mojo over the years with how they're doing it. I, I, um, I, I, I just loved this last season. I, I absolutely, I absolutely loved it. Um, and I know a few of the guys who have been, you know, shooting it as well over the years um, and speaking to them and just their level of professionalism on shooting and the creative ways they're doing it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm loving it. Rob would have loved it. Anything Survivor, he would have watched. Do you have any discussion with those people that you know or any sort of people in Channel 10 be like, hey, guys, why the hell aren't you honouring the fact that this happened before? You know, my brother dominated this game. Where, where's the love for Rob? Yeah, season? I mean, I've, I've floated it a few – they're, they're not in a position of power, so it's just a pointless exercise. But, um, yeah, maybe I should start a petition on it. But, 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 but again um, – He's not here. So, I mean, I'd be fighting that fight if he was here. <laughs> we'll join you. We, 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 we will help you. Like, trust me, we're, we're fighting this every bloody week. Believe me, I, I threatened to punch Rove at one my, point um, over this. And I, my, you know. my, ki- my kids are saying, you have to apply for us uh, um, to get on Australian Survivor. And I, was just about to, I was just about to say that, Pete. Well, I know a way around this. You apply and get on and you dominate. Why not? Uh, well, I just think that. I'd be such a target. You'd go early because they go, your brother's already won one. So, um. but they wouldn't know because they never bloody honour it. So, like you know, it's a freaking uh. hidden. So, I think, the, but I think that would be a great. Like we talked at the very beginning when we started this show, when we had Lincoln on. You know, we sort of said, how would that be for a story having the host of the very first one? But like added story as well. Like your brother won the very first version. They they couldn't ignore the season then and like play up to that story. I think it would be epic. Oh, the pressure though. The pressure on me and my, my children because they would just, exp- if I didn't win, I'd forever be a failure. <laughs> <laughs> your children uh, would be saying, see, I told you. Uncle Rob, Uncle Rob could, you couldn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, honestly, Pete, though, I reckon, I reckon, if you ever get the chance and, and you get the, a bit of time uh, available, it would be it'd be great to actually see you on a season. So it's something to consider, anyway. You got to get through the twenty thousand applicants, though, don't you? Be oh, Pete, you can if, beat if, mine. If, mine if, always gets beaten every year. If, if, <laughs> if, if, if I can get through the twenty five thousand, you can, mate. <laughs> just last two days. Just last longer than two days. It's not uh, that hard. Well, one thing before um, you talking about the films and everything along those lines, I'm just on DixonFilms.com.au right now, and I mean outside of cricket and and footy, you you done the documentary on Winks uh, recently as well. Um, a few horse racing ones as well. Are there any other sort of sports or any other you know subjects that sort of are untapped at the moment that you'd like to sort of well, get involved I've, in? I've, I've officially just. Um signed on to do a Indigenous mental health um, documentary. Fantastic. So it's, I'm sort of branching out a bit with this one. It's um, it's to do with uh, Nikki Winmar's moment. Um, I'm, I'm the lifting like, of the like shirt. I'm proud and it's really relevant yep. right now. And, and it's more about um, trying to make a difference. It'll be for Indigenous round next year, so I've got not nine months or so to make it. And coming out of COVID, we still can't film really yet, so it's it's going to be a delicate timeline. But, um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be I'll, that's what I'm moving on to. And I want, I want to sort of get away from just a specific sport. I want to get into something a little bit more deeper. So this is what I'll be, I'll be doing for the next nine months. Have you ever thought about doing a documentary on podcast hosts? We might know a few people. <laughs> It's probably uh, pretty boring, but hey, you never know. We could sex it up somehow. I don't know. 
Yeah, reality, reality podcasting. Right? Like, you know, yeah. Matt and I secretly hate each other's guts, but we're forced to come <laughs> together to do this and there's conflict, there's drama. Like, will we resolve our issues by the end of the first season of Australian Survivor? I don't know, you know? It's got legs. It's got legs. Absolutely. Hey. Like I'm sure nobody ever pitches ideas to you at all. This is a first, right? Uh, and if, and if, all, if all else fails, if you if you ever want to maybe go into a bit more of the dramatic side of things, I might know a book from an Australian Survivor contestant which we could turn into a film. Sylvan's book is in my okay. possession. So, you know, we could work that into a script. I'm sure there's a movie in there somewhere. Sure. Actually, Peter, it's an interesting thing. So in my profession, uh, you know, being a police officer, you, you go to a party and stuff and you always get that one person, oh, I've got a traffic ticket, can you get me off it, something like that. Do you, are, you, are you always people coming up to you say, hey, I've got this idea and they're pitching oh you ideas? God. Oh, my God. I, it's just constant. Yeah. It's constant. And the reality, and it's okay, it's almost, it's, it's sort of humbling in a way. You go, yeah, okay. I mean, I, I get hit up on emails a lot. Um, any, any, any gathering I won't be able to get through a night without two ideas. Um, and 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 ninety nine percent are rubbish. But it's funny every now and then you go, oh, that is actually not a bad idea. But there's no understanding out there of production and costs and financing, and, and which is it's 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 beautiful because why should they? But you know, you just go really. You think I can manage to have that made for two million dollars? Where are you going? To, where's that coming from? You know. So um, the funding, funding these days in in what I do and documentaries, like back in back when you know when Rob and I started, and and you know we could get we could get investment in with big dollars to make documentaries, and then the network would pay big dollars to wear it. You're lucky to hand one to a network now. Um, so uh, the whole. Uh, the whole industry's changed in that sense, and it's just so much more difficult to get funding to make films. So I don't even know how long I've really got left. Well, well I'm glad I've got you here because I've, I've got an idea for a documentary. No, not really. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> very good. Has has Netflix and streaming services helped or hindered that? I think it's helped, but no, I haven't gone down that road. And um, you know, and and I don't think. The, the, the production costs to, to make a, like, for example, Vic Health have come on board with the current one I'm, I'll be doing this year. And um, so that's wonderful. It's going to help get the production done. But generally with Netflix and so forth, in what I do anyway, you have to have the completed film and then they'll assess, you know, and you've got to have the right people. Where's it going to go? And the money that comes back the other way is not often not, doesn't measure up to what you spent. So um, unless you, unless Netflix themselves say to a filmmaker, especially in the states, we want you to make this, then you're then you go then you're okay. Um, but I mean, I'm living in the wrong country for what I do, sports documentaries, because if I'm in America, I'm flying because they're you know they've got big budgets and um, but over here, uh, it's a very small, small, small audience. Was there ever any thought from yourself and Rob? given that after, you know, you mentioned, as we all know, no season two for Channel 9's Australian Survivor, Channel 7 did it and failed. We obviously wouldn't see it until 2016 on Channel 10. You and Rob ever think, well, bugger this. If no one wants to continue Australian Survivor, we've got some cameras. Let's go out there and do it ourselves and <laughs> try and get the rights uh, of Castaway Productions. <laughs> you, know what he, you know what he did want to do? His big idea, um, never, another one, 
But he, he, he was big on, because of his experience in the um, rescue and helicopter pilot, he wanted to do an SAS reality type show and, and, and direct it and control it. Um, and back then that would have been groundbreaking. Um, I think there's actually been one done in the last 15 years. But, um, yeah, he was keen on something like that. He, it, did, it did spark his interest on how to make another series about other stuff, he's, but he was constantly coming up with ideas. Um, but, yeah, SAS, I remember, was one of his big ones. Well, there's actually a um, a new one. There's a couple of past Survivor players um, that are in it that's just about to air on Amazon Original, which is a world's toughest race. It's an, uh, an eco-challenge one. But uh, I could, yeah, that, it, there are some actually fantastic little docos um, going around at the moment. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's some great storytelling going on. I, I, I mean, the, the, the biggest one, I guess, recently here has been Australian Dream with Goods, Adam Goods. Um, which huge budget um, and, in, and an internationally um, sort of produced program as well. So that's helped. They've been able to just get it. Just aired in the States, I believe, too. Yeah, it's just aired on ESPN. So the, that's, that's the bigger ones like that where they have the, the people to get it on ESPN is where it's, you know, where you're at. But I'm, you know, with, with the budgets that I'm making these hour TV sort of documentaries, it's a lot, lot less than that because we just don't have the money here in Melbourne. Pete, before we let you go, we always like to talk about legacy of this season, season one, Australian Survivor. We've obviously talked a lot about that in this episode, but you mentioned before your plan one day will be to make a film on Rob. Pitch us the film. What, what's, what's the film going to tell us and, and how would that relate to Survivor if you were to say this is a film about the legacy of Rob Dixon and Australian Survivor? Yeah, I, I was actually, I spoke to Channel 9 at one stage years ago when I was in, in my manic period about, about it and the, the thing about this story is, and it's, the problem I have with it is I'm biased in a sense and it is my brother so that you, you put a level of importance on his story above anything else, any other stories. So, but for me and my family especially, the, the uniqueness of this man um, and what he achieved in his short life is quite remarkable. So my, my pitch is... This is an astonishing life story of, of someone um, in so many ways and, 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 and how he affected so many people. I mean, there's, there's such a range of things that add to this mix of Rob. I mean, Rob was a missionary in the Philippines. They're, you know what I mean? Like a lot of people don't, things like, things like that that I could go on and on and on. There were so many elements to his life um, that I would, I, I see it as a, um, I mean, ideally, I, I would love to write a movie on, on, on that life. Um, and unfortunately, with these documentaries and this sort of storytelling, is the, the, tragic, the tragic ending is um, often what, you know, the networks and so forth are attracted to. Do, do, do you know what I mean? That, that's, there, there's, there's an uh, end point to the story and, and you know, they they're, they're driven by that. They're driven by the pain and that sort of. So that's my issue personally. With if I if I take that on, and there's so many other elements to it as well. Like 
you know, he still has a wife here who's, you know, lost her husband and, and sons. So there's so many um, barriers to, to, to want to, to make it. Like I'd have to have that total 100% commitment and her wanting that as well. So, you know, and, that, and, that, and I totally understand that may never happen. So, yeah, I – and selfishly, I know I could make – it would be brilliant, but then you've got to, you've got to, you've got to throw, throw that in the mix of, okay, so who's going – where's this going? Do you know what I mean? Um, I know in Melbourne, and Channel 9 have told me, in Melbourne it would be, it would be a winner because a lot of people know because he's known nationally, you know, what, what, what's the story I'm trying to tell here? So, um, yeah, I've thought about it a lot over, over, over the years. I, I'm still not sure where I would, I would, I'd lead with it, but in, in anything I do, I try to have a message behind it. So I'd be looking, looking down that way. I mean, oh, I could go on forever. Oh, I better stop. Well, I've got to ask, what do you think Rob would, would think about having a, a film? What do you think he would say to you about having a film made about him? I, I think he would say it's about time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would want to who, – who would play him? Who would play Rob Dixon? Yeah, I've thought about that a lot too over the time. Like he, 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 he Hugh would Jackman. Huh? Hugh Jackman, right? The the beard. I'm looking – I'm thinking of a Hugh Jackman sort of Wolverine-style yeah, beard. Grow a really bad beard. I'm thinking but, like um, a Ben a Ben Mendelsohn or something like that. I could see. Yeah, he's because he, 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 you know, I'd hate to say it, but he was pretty good looking and and stuff. There have to be someone with a huge nose for a star. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it, it's it's funny as I'm talking to you because I'm in my office. I'm going to swing this around and you and I'll show you. Like this is because I just looked at him then and noticed the nose. You see if you can. Can you can you can you see the wall? Uh, yep. yep. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. <laughs> oh, yep. I see the notes. And is that uh, Hawthorne playing days yeah, on the left there as the, well? That's, where, that's when he had the mullet. The mullet. Oh, oh yes, absolutely. Look at it. So, yeah, I mean, who, who do you reckon he could could play? That was that was just before he left. So. It's a bit Hugh Jackmany that right hand photo though. I'm yeah. telling you now, like, there's a bit of Hugh Jackman to it. I wouldn't want to tell him that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we're being too nice. We're now we're being too nice. Pete, seriously, th- this has been, you know, it is it's really been a pleasure and an honour to be able to sit down and talk this. I, I realise it's it's a subject that is still very difficult to, to talk about you even after all these years and we, we realise that, you know, this probably was a difficult decision for you to, to agree to do this, to this chat with us. But we, mate, we, we were so honoured. To, to hear the stories there are so many more that i'm sure we could we could hear from you and and we really do hope that there if there isn't a a film or a documentary i mean mate write a book like do something yeah. I, I would i would love to hear more about his missionary times his flying helicopters and all this kind of stuff because you know we never met him we never had the honor of, of meeting him we, we only got to sit down and watch him for you know 14 or so weeks on our tv screen but from what from what I personally saw, and I'm sure Matt would say exactly the same thing, he was a, an amazing person who it's just such a tragedy that he's no longer with us because I'm telling you now, if he was still with us and we got the opportunity to sit down with him for a couple of hours to chat about Survivor or anything, it would have been my favourite interview of this season hands down. So uh, 
for, for, for me, and I'm sure Matt will say something here too, but, uh, mate, seriously, it's been an absolute honour and a pleasure to be able to spend the last couple of hours speaking with you and sharing these stories. Uh, it's been great. And thank you because, I mean, I love your I love your support of him. So um, I constantly follow that. So I really appreciate that. And so, so do our family. We It's not forgotten, which is which is what we like, you know. It's funny, Pete, just hearing you talk about how much he, he loved the game of Survivor, I could just imagine that, you know, if we if we did have the chance to interview him, that it, it, the interview would have gone on for, I reckon, five hours. I could imagine all three of us uh, having a good chat about Survivor. But, look, I've learned a lot from you today, Pete. Like, there's there's a lot I didn't know about Rob, and, and you've definitely um, filled in a lot of those gaps. So, um, yeah, just like what Ben said, thanks for coming on. And hopefully one day, Pete, we'll get to uh, see you play the game as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And there we go. Pete Dixon, brother of Rob Dixon. Matt, it's it's not often I'm left speechless, um, but that, that was a really great in-depth chat there with Pete to learn a lot more about Rob and a fascinating insight into Rob. It, it's, it's just so interesting to hear those stories from him and just, just learn how much more there was to him and just... Still, eleven years later, it's just such a such a tragic loss to the world that he's no longer with us. It was an absolute privilege to have Pete Dixon on the show. Like, like I said at the end, there, at uh, there's a lot a lot about Rob I don't know, and um, I've definitely learned a lot today. And it's a it was an absolute pleasure to have Pete on the show. It's a credit to you, Ben, for for organising this. I know you've been in contact with Peter a fair bit over the last few months. So um, yeah, I I, I really. Hope I'm sure that all our listeners have uh, really appreciate uh, appreciated Pete coming on and uh, talking about Rob's life. It is a very unique situation in this season. Out of out of all the Australian Survivor seasons we're going to be covering over the years, this is sort of the the trickiest when it comes to this because sadly in season one we we have two cast members who are no longer with us and and one who is obviously you know in a very different circumstance when it comes to being able to to interview them. So. You know, we, we, we thoroughly appreciate Pete's time, obviously, Jenny, earlier on in this season because it's it's not something that's easy to be able to, you know, sit down and talk about somebody in this situation. And, and in particular with Pete, who obviously lost Rob in such tragic circumstances, not to say that, you know, Jenny losing Tim wasn't in such tragic circumstances, of course, as well. But, you know, it's, it's obviously something that, um, you know, even 11 years later, as I said, is still very a, a difficult topic to talk about for pete and it's it's important for us as i mentioned in this chat to to honor the legacy of these of these players uh to to honor their impact on this game of australian survivor and and particularly rob dixon and and you might think i was sucking up to to pete in this episode by finally you know putting my cards on the table and saying who i think the goat is i was a bit yeah you know all season i was very bipolar with it when kind of david won and then eventually i sort of said oh it's too hard to call but I'm not. I'm. Pete's not on the line anymore. I, I honestly do believe now that I can firmly give an answer, and I still will stand by Rob being number one. Ben, don't give yourself too much credit, mate. You've got the worst poker face in history. We, everyone who's listened to this knows that you'll always put Rob Dixon as number one, and that you only entertain that uh, the Golden God possibly could be number one just to uh, just to entertain the theory. But uh, look. It, I, th- I think we learned so much about Rob today, about his whole mindset growing up, you know, being a professional athlete, um, you know, being a brother, obviously, to, to such a large family. And, um, you know, I, I think we really do get a good understanding of, um, you know, Rob going into that game of Survivor and, and the way he played it, why he played it like that. 
you know, um, it did affect him. It, it was interesting to hear Pete talk about how it took him many years to sort of get over that game. And I think that says a lot for the game of Survivor as well. It, this game does drain a lot out of people, you know, um, especially people who've who've gone all the way and, and won it. And, uh, you know, I think that was a good insight to hear Pete talk about that. And I think one particular thing, and this has got nothing to do with the fact that it kind of proved something I said a few weeks ago is correct, but the fact that Pete Albert said that, you know, had Rob still been with us, he would have been, you know, fighting for his season to be more recognised. And, and it's just that passion and level that clearly Rob had for the game, it... It, as a fan, it makes me happy. It makes me feel good. And, and that's not to take away from any winner of, of this show who maybe just wins it and kind of moves on with their life. I'm not saying I disrespect them, but it just kind of... I guess I'm a huge fan of the show. Matt, you're a huge fan who had the honour to play the game. And, and you know what it means to kind of yourself and the fact that I'm sure that had you gone further in the game and maybe if you had even won that, you know, it would be such a prideful thing for you as a fan that clearly it was a prideful thing for Rob as a fan. Without a doubt. I mean, you get so much pride just from getting on the show, you know, getting to play one day. Um, But I can put myself in Rob's shoes, the fact that, you know, how much winning means, you know, and, and of course I didn't get anywhere near that, but Rob did, he won it. And, and I could have just, you know, I could just imagine that feeling he would have got, when, when, of course, Lincoln read out the votes and said that he's, the, you know, the sole survivor, the first ever winner. Um, it's something that all Survivor fans dream of. Rob got to not only live the dream of playing this this great game, but to be the first ever all-time, you know, Australian Survivor winner in this country. So, uh, yeah, it, it's – and I'm going to say another thing. I, I, I'm almost – I'd almost say that if, if Rob was still around, that he would have been on All-Stars. I just – I really do. I really do. I think I think the fact that they do wipe off this season because, well, you know, the winner is no longer with us, it's another reason to not talk about it. But I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that if Rob Dixon was still alive, he would have been on All-Star, especially after we heard about um, about Guy, uh, Guy Leach, saying that he was contacted. I, I'm going to say Rob would have been on the season. I, I don't think it's in the out of the realms of a possibility and it kind of I think it was sort of what we touched on a little bit there that sadly with Rob no longer here we don't really have an advocate for the season like it's kind of the, the rest of the cast haven't really been completely advocating for their season out there have they I mean you know it's sort of in hearing that Guy Leach interview recently with David it, it was it was a shock because it's sort of even that season there's not really people advocating for it either you know, through Amber sort of writing that opinion piece in the Daily Telegraph in the last 12 or so months, it's sort of, it's almost a forgotten thing. I think Imogen Bailey had posted a thing recently too, hadn't she? So even there, there's not really much being spoken about. So yeah, I I think I agree with you. I think it definitely would have been a, a different world had that been the case. So, um, you know, one of the, the many sad levels of unfortunately not, uh, yeah, having Rob here with us. One thing that was very fascinating for me too was whether it's true or not, the potential that Rob was number 17, that he was the alternate. Who was who was this magical person who didn't make the cast and where would we be living in this world today if Rob Dixon hadn't been on Whaler's Way Survivor? What I found interesting about that, and, and especially, look, you know, Pete said it was a long time ago, but he, he's fairly certain that was the case. We, we know with from what we've heard with Rob's AFL career that he never quite made the heights of being, you know, like a full-time great of AFL. 
And and he he almost didn't do that by from what Pete's saying, that was almost the same case with Survivor, that he was one off being on the show. But he was yeah, given the opportunity, he managed to get himself in the top sixteen and is now, you know, well, you, you state him and I say he is one of the all time greats of this game. So you think he's number you know, two. It, it, I know you've said that the Golden Gold's number that, one, that's fine. Look, it's hard because you make this is the point I can't argue with you, Ben. Rob played once. David played twice. That's where where I'm conflicted because if I'm going on first game, like the first time someone ever plays the game, you can't go past roll. That's simple. But, you know, the Golden God got the opportunity to play twice. He won it on his second attempt and played a fantastic game, an unbelievable game. So, look, it's one I don't think we'll ever get, you know, there's always going to be that debate. And that's what's great the fact that there is always a debate about who is the best. And I look forward to that episode. I look forward to that debate episode. One thing I just want to say quickly now, and it's kind of something I don't like to do a lot in terms of ruining the illusion of how we produce this show and putting out the episodes, but we've mentioned it before, the fact that we've obviously got a Stephen Peters interview for you in a, in a couple of weeks. But I think it's important now, based on the context of this interview, that there's a glaring question that we would obviously ask Stephen in a couple of weeks to kind of ruin this illusion, is that we did do the Stephen Peters interview several months ago so we we did not know this possible fact that rob was an alternate for this season and clearly we know stevens wasn't really involved in casting i mean he was but sort of you know he was more the ep and sort of signed off on things but in a couple of weeks when we have steven on clearly you're not going to hear us ask the question hey so was rob really an alternate um if we ever get somebody involved in casting again it's been 18 19 years they're maybe not going to remember but in my research for the book, Matt, I've got myself a new little uh, golden goose to follow. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, most people are probably thinking now that we, we've come to the end of our interviews, other bar um, the Stephen Peters interview. But, Ben, uh, do you want to make an announcement? I want to make an announcement that your segues, mate, are on point again. You are just working on these. If you could have only played Survivor as good as your segues, you would have lasted more than two days, Matt Dyson. They are absolutely fantastic. No, we, 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 let's, let's spoil the illusion of this again. We thought, okay, Pete Dixon interview, smooth sailing into Stephen Peters. Then we'll have a bit of a bonus behind the scenes episode, then smooth sailing into a wrap up. That's what we thought was happening. But, Thanks to the persistence of Mr. Segway on the other line here, we have an extra interview for you next week. Now, Matt, we, we've sat down with every single player to have played this game that we can possibly interview except for one. And no, it's not the one who's in jail. It's the other one that we apparently couldn't get until you wouldn't stop messaging her. Ladies and gentlemen, Karen Shaw has been interviewed, and next week we will speak to the 10th place finisher of Australian Survivor Season 1, the third last Kadena member, the only Kadena member that we had not had the honour of interviewing, Karen Shaw. And I have to say, Matt, it was a pretty decently fun episode. And and you and I constantly said that Karen and Sophie were maybe the two that we'd wanted to chat to because like we didn't really get to see a whole lot. We don't really know a lot about them. We learned a fair bit with Sophie a few weeks ago. Karen was definitely one of these people that we learned a fair bit from. And I gotta say, it's a pretty darn good episode. It's one of my favorite episodes. Like we knew Karen was gonna produce some gold. It, it was such a great episode to hear, you know, about 
her experience on the show, how she got on. Look, I can't talk it up. I, I can't talk it up enough. Like you, you got to listen to this. And Ben, let's be honest. How good is it to go back and talk Kadena? I, I think I said in the interview that it's sick of talking to these bloody blue winners. Let's go back to the the baby shit chartreuse losers, Matt. And uh, you know, Karen. Yeah, Karen was. Good value, and it's okay. We're biased. We're the host of this show. We're not really going to sit here and go, "Fuck, Karen." Karen was a shit interview. Don't listen to that. Jesus, just go back and listen to our Craig interview. Like, we're not going to say that, uh, but <laughs> we're also not going to lie because I don't know. Do we lie, Matt? Have you ever lied to me, Matt no. Dyson? Have you ever lied to me? Is this what, what this film is going to be about, Pete Dixon? And you lying to me? <laughs> Look, it's a great. I'm going to say it's a great interview, and and it's one that uh, it's taken me. A good six months to organise, but uh, we got her on, and uh, I don't think you're going to be disappointed. I think at the end of the day, we we seem to be stretching this out every single season. But as Mac and I have been saying in the last few weeks, like yeah, we're kind of you know excited to be able to eventually get to Channel Seven season two. But I've said it too. I think th- this was always the one that I was looking forward to covering the most this season. So any time we get chances to extend this out a few more weeks, a few longer, I, I'm I'm down because I'm going to be sad in six months or, you know, when we're at season two. It's going to be great to learn more about this and keep moving forward. But I'm always going to fondly look back at this time of being able to cover this season because I don't think anyone in the history of podcasting is ever going to cover this season ever again. Uh, so this is maybe the only chance in history that we're going to have to, to sit down and hear from these people. So it's been fun. But, uh, yeah, Karen's great chat. We've got a couple of behind-the-scenes guys to, to chat to and then we're going to have a – a wrap-up episode, and now I think we're all but confirming our bonus uh, reunion special that we are confirming but not confirming. I think it's, it's fucking confirmed, Matt. Let's just say it. We're going to do something, even if it's just bloody Lincoln and Naomi. Yeah. And not look, to take away from Lincoln and Naomi. I know you both listen. I want you both on the episode, but I'm just saying, if it's you two, let's, we'll have a great chat. I reckon by 2025, we'll still be covering season one. We'll still be finding <laughs> things to, to do. Let's be honest, we love it that much. But you know what, Ben, at the start of this, when we first put this podcast together, I, I remember you said to me, oh, look, you know, because we were having trouble tracking down everyone. And you said, oh, you know, if we get, you know, six, ten, ten of them, that would be great. And I was like, Ben, we want them all. And then you immediately said, yeah, I'm full of shit. Yeah, we want them all. And Ben, like, we've done it. You know, it's we haven't uh, Ben Dark yet, a, though, Matt. We haven't gotten Ben Dark. Come on now. Yeah, you're right. Where's Ben you're Dark? Right, you're right. You're right. I'm disappointed. But talking about stretching out, I think we're stretching out this ending as well. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> honestly, guys, check out this Karen Shaw interview. Fantastic. She is a, an absolute treat to have on. Great value. And I'm, you'll have a laugh. You definitely will, and that will be coming for you. We're going back to our regular allocated weekly episodes as of uh, next week, so we've obviously had a bit of a bonus content in the last seven days through our uh, Katie, Shona, and now Pete episodes. You've had them obviously drop uh, quite rapidly in succession. But, yeah, so we're going back to our once-a-week episodes as of next week, and clearly, if you, if you like that format, let us know because... You know, we, we kind of like to try to spread it out, keep it a bit, you know, that way. But moving forward, particularly when we get to the Channel 10 seasons, there's obviously going to be a lot more interviews and a lot more content to cover. So if you if you like sort of three a week, maybe we can sort of look forward to that. I don't think we'll do it during season two just because there's even less 
to talk about. Um, but moving forward, Channel 10, we're definitely going to have to move it up a little bit with uh, the amount of episodes we do. But in the meantime, if you do enjoy the product that you're listening to right now, let us know about it. Hit us up on all the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We're out there. Leave us some feedback. We really would appreciate hearing from you. Social media channels, of course, Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Are we on TikTok yet, Matt? Do we TikTok yet? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I do not TikTok. No, I still like the song by Kesha, but um, you know, I I have never picked up a TikTok. Uh, those 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 chocolate those little biscuits weren't they? Those clock biscuits. You remember those? Those the little like icing on it TikTok biscuits. Oh, they were great. They were good biscuits. Bloody keto. I can't have them anymore. But of course, if we get <laughs> To a thousand likes on any of the platforms, Mr. Dyson will show us his video, but I'm still very confident in only a couple of weeks he's going to cave and he's going to show it. He's going to premiere it, maybe on our reunion episode. I don't know. And, of course, 500, he'll swing on a vine. Bugger the vine swinging. I say cancel the freaking vine swinging and just show us the goddamn audition tape. I don't care to see Matt Dyson in a loincloth and swinging on a vine. No one wants to see that crap. I want to see Matt Dyson's audition tape. All right, I'll seriously consider it then. Oh, look at him. He's got this look on his face right now. I think he's going to cave by the end of the season. Thanks so much for everybody tuning in and sticking with us. And again, our sincere thanks to Pete Dixon for his time. It was an absolute honour chatting to him. My name is Ben Waterworth, and I'm just going to close this out by saying, Rob Dixon, you are the number one in Australian Survivor history, and you are a bloody legend, mate. Thank you very much for being a Survivor player and allowing us to talk about you this season. My name's Matt Dyson, and Rob, you are an absolute legend, and it was a pleasure watching you play. Hey!